Mike, I'd like you to start by telling us why you're qualified to be here. Um, I don't really work right now. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, probably consume more football than anyone in the world. I like it. Uh, I some could call me a degenerate gambler sometimes. Um, but I do it in a way where I research and I make informed decisions on what I bet on. So I don't feel like it's gambling. I'm okay with that. But uh, I don't know. I just, I love, I love the NFL and I love like statistics. How many spreadsheets do you have on specifically just on NFL? Uh, like I probably make two or three a week produce two or three different ones per week is it something that you like add information to each week uh i will like take info from previous weeks and then like compute that into like the next matchup for teams that they have the next week so it's kind of like an ongoing thing what What's your favorite spreadsheet? Um, what? Probably, probably the probably the one that I make for like my weekly DraftKings lineups. So I take into account a lot of different stats, such so as like <clears throat> what are okay like anyone who watches football knows the let's say quote unquote important stats per position. Yeah. What are some like underrated stats that you're looking for when Picking guys and DraftKings. Uh, pace of the game, which a lot of people don't think of. So okay. think of it as like, so just using this game as an example, Dallas and Arizona have, it's five and a half minutes in, and I think each team has already had three possessions because they're ranked one and two in pace per game. So they don't really, like, they won't run the clock out. They won't run on first and second and try to throw on third. That's what the Seahawks do. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> um, but like pace is super important. Uh, like over under total. So like you want to pick a high paced game with a high total with a low spread, and then pick players from that. And then like one of the more important things that I find helps me a lot is not necessarily picking the team that like is going to win the game but picking the team that is trailing because they're more likely to throw. So you can, if you expect, like, if you expect Seattle to jump out to, like, a 21-0 lead, you might think originally that, like, Russ is the better play, but picking the quarterback from the other team who's forced to throw and kind of abandon the run is actually a better play. Yeah. Um, So you have to kind of figure out in your head what you think the game script is going to be from both teams and then you can make informed decisions off of that. What do you like betting on? You like betting on I like, like bet I like betting on individual players more than I like betting on games. Okay. So what kind of stats, what kind of bets are you making on individual players? Uh usually so I'll make like my DraftKings lineup which is like the same as what most people would do for fantasy, like season long, but you draft a new team every week as opposed to being stuck with the same guys all year. And you're trying to beat like a certain number? 
Or you, are you playing against someone? You are playing against like a million other people every week. Okay. And then there's like a entry fee and then the prize pool is based on how many people enter. Okay. Um, and how many do they pay out? Uh, <clears throat> they pay out usually 50%, but it's super top heavy. Yeah. Um, but there's like, there's a lot of fun ones just like, I don't know, there's like a, something called the Millionaire Maker every week. So uh, you can make 150 lineups and put them all in. Each lineup costs 20 bucks. I only put in like a few to that. So it's a little bit too expensive, but <laughs> top prize is a million every week, even for Monday, because there's two games that make a Millionaire Maker for Monday. And it's just like, you look at your phone and it's like updated live and it shows you like winnings, potential winnings, and it's like, kind of sweet and then it's kind of heartbreaking when <laughs> like the last play takes you from a million to like 50k <laughs> on half a yard <laughs> so it's kind of tilting but it's, it's a lot of fun is football the funnest fantasy sport yeah football is a lot of fun it's definitely I think it's the hardest to predict um, basketball is pretty easy because most nights you know where production's coming from yeah when it comes to like nfl you can usually usually have a pretty good idea of like which quarterbacks are playing well but the way DraftKings is formatted so it's not like you can just pick and choose whatever player you want you have a fifty thousand dollar salary and okay. then you have to make your roster in that fifty thousand dollar cap limit and like the better players are always more expensive so you have you have nine spots for fifty grand, and like the most expensive guy would be probably like in the ten k range. So if you pick someone who's ten k, you have to find like value at other positions yeah. where you, you know, you like monitor injuries, figure out who's out. Usually, like so, like when McCaffrey went out. Um, and like someone gets ruled out just before game time, you have to kind of be online looking for that stuff because then you can put in like the backup running back who's right. who should be priced like five or six thousand more than they are because yeah. they're still going to get the same workload as a starter would. Um, but yeah, I just like it's just it's just a lot of fun for me, and then it's income. So it's just my two favorite things. <laughs> We're going to talk about the NFL in general, but. Because this is a Seahawks podcast, yeah. I like to start with the Seahawks. Okay. Now, I would say I'm I'm fairly unbiased in terms of cheering for the Seahawks and yeah. understanding that they're the, by far the best team in the league. But from someone who is maybe not necessarily a Seahawks fan, mm-hmm. I would like you to I wouldn't say analyze. That. They're my second favorite team. Oh. Behind who? Behind the Cowboys. Oh, that's rough. But... There's a large gap between one and two. We're going to come back to this. Yeah. <laughs> How difficult has it been to be a Dallas Cowboys fan the last few years? Really, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> really hard. And there's always so much um, like hype going into a year with them. It seems like every year for the last few years. Yeah. And then yeah. have they made the playoffs in the last few years? <sighs> Maybe like... Uh, but, yeah, but it's like... They're but they're in the worst division. Any, they're never going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're in that weird little bubble where you're, like, just good enough to make the playoffs, 
but you're not shitty enough to like get a good draft pick. Yeah. You're in that weird kind of zone and they spend money on positions they shouldn't spend on and then refuse to pay their quarterback, which is just like so heartbreaking for Dak. <laughs> that he didn't he got a he got his one year deal but he didn't get like the large paycheck that he should have. Why is and that? He broke his cuz him and him and Jerry didn't uh weren't on the same page. But that's why guys ask for like guaranteed money because your career can basically like flip like that. He should be okay, but it's kind of scary for him. Do you think he's a franchise tag guy? Yeah. I think he's, I, I try not to be very biased, but he's actually very, very good. He, he still has like a few things to learn. Um, catch. Oh, we're watching the Cardinals Cowboys game right now, which has started atrociously slow. And uh, <laughs> Dallas has their backup, Eddie Dalton, in the game, and it's uh, it's been a bit tragic to start really, that, which is why my really frustration is coming up. <laughs> uh, I might get through that whole bottle by the end of the game. <laughs> how old is how old is Dak? Uh. Is it he? He'd be in his mid twenties. He's twenty-seven. Yeah, like if he. Why is he not known as one of the top five quarterbacks in the league? Because to me, I don't like. I look at Dak and I don't watch Cowboys games closely yeah. unless they're playing the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. I look at him as like a medium guy in the league. He's so I think that through like his first year, he got he he wasn't that good, but he's like become a lot better than he used to be. But I also think that. To a lesser extent that Russ has had it over the years, he isn't appreciated enough for what he's asked to do. Okay. So I think even though Russ is like the last couple of years, he's been seen as like a top three guy, unless you kind of talk to Seahawks fans or like people in the media that know they're talking about would constantly rank QBs above Russ. Yeah. And I think that's still done with Dak, and I don't think it should be. Um, he was off to a ridiculous start this year. He even was. Even team sucks. Yeah. And part of, like, I think part of the stuff you have to look at in terms of, like, if you just look at stats, I would say Dak is, like, up there with Russ for having one of the best years, but... Dax had the privilege of like his defense letting up 40 points a game and trailing a lot of the time. So he's just forced to throw right. and throw and throw. So he's throwing like 50, 60 times a game for 450 yards, That's but it's always trailing. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like, <clears throat> I don't think that you can solely look at statistics when looking at like quarterbacks in terms of like talent, but I think he's, still underrated and he's getting better for sure what's your assessment of the Seattle Seahawks so far this year um I want like a real analytical answer here I want like spreadsheet answers okay I think that they run too much on first and second down still still uh, they get themselves into third and longs way too often. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like, Carl, maybe try to pull up the stat, but I think we're like 
pretty low in the league in terms of third down conversion, like bottom 10. I'm pretty sure that is like one of the worst stats on offense for us. But okay, continue. I think I think like third down conversion stats are also a little bit uh, like biased at times when you have teams that are going run run for one two yards and then yeah. you're forced into third and long. Yeah, I think like what Kansas City does so well is they get into they do get into third downs a lot of the time, but it's third and short, so their options are a lot more. Uh, oh, great fumble! Oh no, was that Zeke? Zeke, yeah. Um, I think if a team knows you're passing, like they will for Seattle on like third and nine, third, third and eight, third and ten, and whatnot, it's a lot easier to design game plans around, which is what makes Russ even better. Yeah. Um, but like just like not putting yourself in situations that are like minus EV as opposed to plus EV is so important. So what is like EV? Expected value. So like if 50% is like, 50% would be right on the, anything below that is minus, anything above it is plus. Okay. So you want to put yourself in situations where you're plus EV, so your expected value is higher than the other side. So putting yourself in third and long is always minus EV. Like throwing on first, the worst thing teams do is throw on first, get an incompletion, and then run on second yeah. because they think the pass didn't work out. <clears throat> yeah. It is the worst thing you can do in football in terms of play calling. And it's not as bad if you go pass and then you do like a motion run. But if you go pass incomplete and then like running back straight up the middle with no motion, it almost always will put you in a situation that you can't be successful in, which is why I love Russ so much is because he's put in these awful situations all the time and they still somehow win. So the, the Seahawks' third down conversion percentage is the second worst in the league. I knew it. See? So that we're at 32.61% right that now. That is awful. Yeah. The Jets are the only <clears throat> team that are worse. But just like when you watch we, the Seahawks game. We won a football game last week. We won a football game last week with zero third down conversions. Did you see what the Atlanta Falcons did to the Vikings on the weekend in the first half alone? Yeah. And the Seahawks. <clears throat> how many scores Seahawks score in the first half? Zero. What's the uh, Atlanta Falcons record? One and five. What's the Seattle Seahawks record? I I I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying, if you have the ability, <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons offense is good, but Seattle's is just as good. If you have the ability to score that many points against the Vikings, and you put, they scored zero in the first half, right? If yeah. you score zero <clears throat> in the half, like. Obviously, either your game plan is wrong or the Vikings played out of their asses, but I don't think it's that. I think Minnesota played pretty good, and it was a weird first half. Uh, I, I also think that the Seattle Seahawks would do better without an offensive coordinator. I probably agree with you. Look at this little guy. He's so quick. So quick. He's so quick. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a little animated character on he that. He does. He looks like he doesn't belong out there. Yeah. <laughs> He's got happy feet. <laughs> um, did you it's, watch the Rams 49ers game um, last night? We I watched a little bit of it flipping back and forth with the baseball game. So I fully expect Seattle to win that division. <clears throat> but I think that like the one, two, and three seeds 
could all beat each other given like a one game sample or two game sample in that division in that division <clears throat> who's the fourth seed though uh arizona and then arizona's worse Ari- than san I think fran arizona's worse than san fran i i know arizona got or uh san fran got crushed by the dolphins or yeah the dolphins yeah. a few weeks ago but then they came back and they like had control against the rams the entire game and i think in that division this might be bold but i think i think in terms of like innovation and moving forward carol might be the worst of the four head coaches do you think carol has much to do with the offense though no but i think he i mean i think you i think as a head coach you can if you know what you're doing you can maybe whisper in your offensive coordinator's ear and say we have the MVP and the best quarterback in the league and maybe we should do things to help him with Lockett and Metcalf and whatnot like it just it it, it, it blows my mind that how, how many years has he played for them now this is year nine this is nine now it blows my mind that, he, like, after nine years, they still, like, repeatedly make the same mistakes and, like, rely on, rely on him to bail them out on, like, the last play of the game. Can you look at how long Schottenheimer's been there? <coughs> I think um, this year's been way better than I think it's been better years. than previous years, it's for sure. Way better. But the first half of the Vikings game was like a huge step backwards for me, which Carl asked me after last week's podcast if I'm sure I want to post that because I was very upset. But it is what it is. Like there has to be other Seahawks fans out there that feel the exact same way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like it's it's shocking to have Russell Wilson seven for seven in the first half. Yeah. The fuck are we doing? <laughs> He's in his third year. He should be seven for seven on third? the first drive. Can you look up? Uh, Can you look up how to fire an offensive coordinator as a podcast host? Can you look at that? It's, it's shot. shot has been bad, but he's like he'd be like f- fourth or fifth on the list of people who should get fired. Which is crazy. In the Seahawks organization? No, no. In the in the league. Oh, he's not very good at what he does, but. He's masked by a few other guys that are completely in like Adam Gase. Who's he? The Jets head coach. <laughs> Man, that like organization is doomed. Offensive. He's supposed to be like a revolutionary offensive mind. And I think like today I saw he's gone from like when he took over, they were like 21st in offense, then they were 23rd, and then they were 26th, and then they were 28th, and now they're like dead last. <laughs> and he did the same thing when he was in Miami. And you see it when, like, guys that are played in, like, Adam Gaze's system that were supposed to be stars that did absolutely nothing, and then Gaze leaves, and then they're very good. Which is, like, I feel bad. Like, Le'Veon Bell still has a lot of talent, and under the Jets system and Gaze, he's, like, completely useless. Right. Not a single 100-yard rushing game. It's, like, it's... How many years was he there? Bell? This was his second, I Second. So only one year. Only one year. Um, and like a lot of that has to do with offensive line more than anything. But like, if you are hired 
and the thing on your resume is that you are an offensive innovator and you are by far the worst coach in the league offensively, <laughs> you should probably get fired. The, Jet, the Jets are on pace for the worst poise differential in NFL history, <laughs> including expansion teams. They are minus 100 through... Five, through five, weeks. five or six. Six weeks now, six. I think. I don't think they've had their buy. I think they're exactly minus 100, Yikes. which is, like, incredible. But you think, you think Schottenheimer is as bad as I think he is? I don't. I I I do. I do like some of the stuff he does. I just think that, like Seattle, could run their offense similar to how Kansas City tries to like make Mahomes as good as he can with scrambles and play action and whatnot. Yeah. And Seattle doesn't really do that with Wilson. Can you look up? Uh, I don't know if you can find this, but. If you can look up um, like play action rates for teams, because I feel like Seattle doesn't use that as much as they should, and that's like one of the biggest things offenses can do to help themselves. And that's like one of the. I think you next week or in the next couple of weeks we should watch the Seahawks game together. For sure, I'd love because I'd like to hear your. Opinions on what is happening because mine. Who do I feel have? like I. This is a bold statement, but I feel, feel like I could call better plays for Russell Wilson. I'm sure majority of people could. Like, but I every feel, single time they run the ball outside, yeah. as soon as you see the play start, yeah. I'm like, fuck, outside run minus two yards. Yeah. And every single play, it's it's the same. Okay, so Why are we running you, outside the tackles? Did you, Our offensive line fucking sucks. So King, Kingsbury is a very good coordinator. Watch this play the design. Motion, quarterback rollout, mm-hmm. easy. As opposed to having a fourth and one where you go heavy set on the line and you just try to run it straight down the yeah. defense's throat. Yeah. It's so, so different. Even though it's a run play, it's just designed in such a, uh, a, a better way to be successful. I don't know. I've been watching Seahawks games, but I haven't been watching them like as close as you because I have a bunch of games on at once. Are they designing quarterback runs for him anymore, or more than they used to? Because there's a few years in a row where like he wasn't using his feet at all. I know he was injured a little bit with his ankle, but he can still like he's still a good runner. I don't think that's where we excel though. So I don't think that needs to be much of our playbook for the Seahawks to win games and win big games. I think where Russ is good is a play breaking down and him getting six yards. Yeah. I don't think we need to, nor do we want him to get hit. Like, we don't I want agree. to run too many, like, design run plays for him, for him to be in positions like Lamar Jackson. No, I'm not, get, I'm not, I'm not even saying, oh, that's a good, another good play. That's, that's a good point, but I'm saying, like, the Chiefs don't want Mahomes to run that much and they obviously don't want to get him hit. I'm not saying he should be like a Lamar Jackson or like a Josh Allen where they're forcing runs on him, but having like a few plays that are designed runs where he's able to roll out and throw, and if the defense collapses a little bit, he's allowed to take like 10, 15 yards as opposed to just being like, Russ is either going to throw as the quarterback or we're going to run with Carson. Yeah. Um, 
I think there is some of that, but not enough. Yeah. He, so like, I don't know how much, how much weight do you put on like the NFL analysts? On like commentators? Yeah. Uh, no, like the, the people who do like the pregame shows and stuff. Like uh, uh, They're old fashioned. They're not very good. Yeah, I agree. So one guy's good. What about like the young guys, like Nate Burleson and like... Uh, Better. Uh, the best... I don't know what that show is called. I think it's ESPN. Yeah, the best, the best guy at like breaking things down and actually knowing what he's talking about is Dan Orlovsky. Yeah. Um, he's awesome. And he's on NFL Live, I think, every okay. day with Mina Kimes and a few other people. I think Nate Burleson's on there. Yeah. Um, but he's like... It's funny. He's like the smartest guy breaking down plays, but he was on Detroit's team when they went 0-16. <laughs> so he's like, he makes fun of himself saying that he's part of like the worst team ever. But like when he talks about breaking down plays, he's so, so smart yeah. and totally understands it. How do we get him to commentate games? I don't know. But like the How old, the old guys. Out? How do we get Troy Aikman out? That's what I'm talking about. The old <laughs> guys that think the league is the same as when it used to be, like... 20 years ago where teams like rushed 30 yards a game and you just the, the like the quote of like whoever's more physical is going to win yeah. it's just so false league's not the same as it used to be the rules aren't the same you can't play defense the way you used to rules are very it's, different it just drives <clears throat> me nuts when people like try to like generalize things based on what used to be successful. What do you think of this as a rule? Pete Carroll takes his mask down for a few plays in week one, gets fined $350,000. Week three, someone tries to break Chris uh, Chris Carson's leg and gets fined $6,000. I think I think the I think the rollover tackle is one of the dirtiest plays in football. $6,000 fine, Mike. Yeah. Versus taking your mask down for 30 seconds. That was a $350,000 fine. I, I think like the same way as like targeting and helmet to helmet is a suspension. That should be hundred percent a suspension because it's on purpose. That guy knows exactly it's what he's doing. Exactly. That's my fucking problem. With and the he's not of lucky. Like shit. he's lucky he didn't break Carson's leg exactly. or ankle. It's just it's such a garbage play. Let's progress. I feel like we're digressing into talking about what's wrong with the NFL. Three unbeaten's. Three unbeatens? Yeah, I want your who's best and who's worst of the three unbeatens right now. It's the Tennessee Titans, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Do you want like a full breakdown? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think... We got a lot of scotch left, so a full breakdown is more than welcome. Offensively, I would rank them one Seattle, two Tennessee, three Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, Defensively... Pittsburgh's one, Tennessee's two, Seattle's three. That's not a shocker. Um, in terms of who I think could win a Super Bowl, I think Pittsburgh and Seattle are probably pretty close. Um, I would trust Seattle a little bit more just because they're better at the most important position. But same, similar to Seattle, Pittsburgh has a ton of weapons. Mm. And they haven't they haven't been fully healthy this year, and they're still very good. Their defense is good again this year. Ben is like a corpse of his old self. Yeah, he can't really throw the deep ball very well anymore. He's not and, mobile anymore. And he's not he's not mobile at all. He, 
but he's not, I don't think he has to do as much as he used to. And he has really good talent with Juju and Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Claypool mm-hmm. is going to be a superstar. Deontay Johnson's really good. Juju is going to be like their go-to guy after Antonio Brown got hurt. And I think he's, you got to be fucking kidding me. They got one? They got fumble again. <laughs> it was uh, Elliot again? I think so. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Maybe you should take a couple of those nose rings out. He'd be. Yeah, give him a pat on the back. Way to go, Zeke. Hmm. Yeah, let's not cover the ball going through the middle. Oh boy, that's not ideal. You would think after you fumbled the previous possession, you maybe would hold on to it with two hands. You remember Carson two years ago? Yeah, when he fumbled the bunch. I think he had five fumbles in the first six weeks of the year, and I was like, I was surprised. Car- I was surprised Carroll keep trust kept trusting him because that's like. That's how you get into purgatory as a running back when you lose the football. What a disaster. Okay, oh so okay, so in terms offensively, of I, Seahawks number one, defensively, Steelers number one. Yeah. I agree both. Yeah. Overall. I think coaching coaching wise, Mike Vrabel is really, really good. He's a Tennessee coach, mm-hmm. and he did he did something last game, which is super super smart. I'm not Today sure if you saw or last week. No, la, last night oh, against yesterday. the yeah, against yeah, the yeah, Texans. Yeah. So it there was uh, I think a minute and forty five seconds left or something, and it was like thirty five thirty five or thirty five thirty four whatever it was, and uh, they were down. They, they were, were they were no they were, sorry they were down by uh, they were down seven they were down seven yeah. And it was right right as Houston had the ball. And the defenses are so bad, and Houston's good offensively. And Vrabel knew that no matter what, Houston was going to score. So what he did on a, I think it was a second and one, he intentionally tur- told his player to go onto the field to create 12 men on the field to get a flag because they had no timeouts left. So he told his player to go on the field, and the video's hilarious because his, like, his player's looking back on him from the field. He's like, it's like, are you sure I'm supposed to do this? Because he knew it was going to be a flag. And Vrabel's like, Vrabel's like, yeah, go, 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 go. And uh, so the, the ref sees it, throws a flag, too many men, and the clock stops. So it's the only way they could stop the clock. And Belichick used to do this where he intentionally gets flags in positions that will stop the clock when he doesn't have timeouts. And then Vrabel, to make it not look suspicious, like starts yelling at the guy, saying that he should have been on there. So Houston scores. But it saves Tennessee like 45 seconds on the clock. Mm. And they go down and they tie the game and then they win in overtime. But like little stuff like that is like super cool and important. Why do you need to hide it? Um, I don't know if there's like a specific rule on why you have to. I don't know if you can intentionally. I don't, I don't know why. But why not? I, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can, but... Um, I think it's just, I don't know, an image thing. But he 100% did it on purpose, and it was kind of sweet. It's like, it's the, it's like the Phil Mickelson putting thing when yeah. his ball's going off the green. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But uh, the only reason they won is because he intentionally took a penalty <clears throat> to stop the clock. There's like little things, like you hear stories like that about Belichick where he does things that aren't against the rule but are maybe like gray areas yeah. that help his team. There he goes. There he goes. Short. Sure, short. Um, 
Okay, we can come back to best teams because I want to ask you about teams with losses that are good that we need to keep an eye on. But somewhat obvious for the first couple. Speaking of last night's game, this is something I want to ask you because this is a really, really interesting topic and I think no matter who you ask, they're going to have a different answer. Tennessee scores with like four seconds left. Mm -hmm. To uh, so they're down by seven, score a touchdown, yeah. four seconds left, so they're down by one. Yeah. As you, Coach Mike Bell yeah. of the Las Vegas Raiders, who, like whoever you're fucking yeah. coaching, are you kicking a field goal or are you going for two? What are your okay, stats? So, what are your spreadsheets telling so, you? So I'm so happy you asked me this. <laughs> there is... Uh, that was pretty close, to be honest. I'm not good enough at the math behind it, but I follow people online that are, that come out with the formulas that show, basically they show, it's like success rate going for two and then win percentage and then success rate going for one and then win percentage. So it's like, if you go for two and you don't get it, what's the chances you win and what chances you lose? If you go for one and you don't get it, what are the chances of win and lose, et cetera? And like, most of the time going for two is the better option because a lot of people think that you are guaranteed if you people people equate getting to overtime and tying the game as like a win yeah or is it, it is usually like 50% or less so it's like more of the plus ev minus ev stuff so your expected value of getting a i think converting a two point conversion is over 50% as opposed to when you go to overtime, you have a 50% to win the coin toss, and then you also have a percentage chance of losing the game. Yeah. So your chance of winning the game is actually better going for two. But coaches and teams and fans and whatnot think that just extending the game is yeah. like the more important thing when trying to win the game actually gives you a better chance at that time. It's an interesting conversation because... If you're saying, I don't know the exact stats on this, Carl. Can you pull this up? I can actually, I can actually look up some that. Uh, I want to know. I want to know percentage of two point conversions this year in the NFL. What's the percentage? Because I, you, I think you said it's just over fifty. Let's say it's fifty three percent. Yeah. Of like Versus success. Success. It's between forty and fifty five percent. Can we get a more accurate number than that? <laughs> So, NFL two point conversions this year success rate. I will say one. I will say one thing. So, uh, was it last week the Seahawks played the Vikings? Yeah. So, one of the things I actually disagree with with you is when the Vikings went for it on fourth down and didn't convert, and you think they should have kicked the field goal. And I can't remember what the score was at the time. It was the field goal to go <clears throat> up seven? So, so they were up by five at the time. So it puts up them eight. up eight. Okay. So my thought was yeah. go up eight. Mm-hmm. The likelihood of scoring a touchdown, let's say fairly low. Yeah. But with Russell Wilson, higher than normal. Yeah. And also on top of scoring a touchdown with a minute and a half left, on top of that, adding a two point conversion, quite low. Versus if I don't get the fourth, if I don't get the fourth down, yeah. it's an auto loss. So I think I, I know like Wilson does it a lot. It's not an auto loss, but what, it, it, what it is it is it is likely. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure at that time Seattle had one or zero timeouts left. They might have had zero. So yeah. the 
I think I think the percentage of converting fourth and one or fourth and inches, whatever it is, is like seventy five percent or higher. So if you can if you convert that, your chances of winning go from having Seattle having to drive down the field, score a touchdown, get a two point conversion, to if I convert fourth and inches to I win one hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Um so I actually in that in that situation I think Minnesota did the right thing, but I think but, okay, but hold on. If you're going up seven, yeah. I think it's really different than going up eight. Um, if, I agree. There's, right? I can actually. If the field goal got me to seven points, yeah, I don't know if I would have been as strongly against Minnesota not uh, going yeah. for it. So teams going for fourth and inches this year are eighty-two percent. Get it? Eighty-two. Yeah, and then the the thing we were talking about earlier was forty-seven point six percent. So two point conversions are forty-seven point six. So. I'm gonna forty-seven point six uh, going for two-point conversions is yeah. almost better than kicking field goals, right? Because kicking depending a, ki- sorry on, kicking an extra point yeah. is what ninety percent. Yeah, let's say roughly. Yeah, maybe less. Uh, maybe eighty-five. Really? People miss them every Let me game. Find this. Like Casey in the earlier game missed two extra points. Because it changed after they put it back, right? That was the big. Because it's a 35-yard kick now, whereas it used to be a 20-yard I'm going to find this chart. Kick. It's my favorite thing that this I, guy puts out. It's an interesting conversation. Here we go. As a Minnesota Vikings coach, I am kicking the field goal to go up eight. If I go up seven, I'm really considering the options. Uh, Going up eight, to me, is a no-brainer. This is a shout out to Lucas right now, but uh, Seattle has the highest extra point conversion percentage in the NFL right now. Lucas, hey, <laughs> quick off topic, Mike. What do you think of Seattle's kicker, Jason Myers? I honestly, I haven't watched him kick enough. I just is he the only kicker in the league that is one hundred percent through week six? Uh, someone missed their first kick on Sunday, so he may be. So he may be. Yeah. Okay. So okay, so. Statistics. <laughs> Here's Jason Myers is 22 for 22 on the year. No big uh, deal. So, if it was Minnesota was Minnesota was up five, it was fourth and one, six yards from the opponent end zone. Yeah. So it's an automatic field goal. So if they go for it, win per, if they go for it, their win percentage is 92. percent If they kick a field goal, it's 91. percent Success rate for the field goal attempts 98. percent Success rate for going for it is 68% for that. I like that. If they fail, then this is this is the important. If they fail the going for it, their win percentage is 77% still. If they kick a field goal, their win percentage is sorry, if they kick a, if they go for it for two and fail, 77%. If they kick a field goal and miss, it's 76%. But if they go for it, and they get it, their win percentage is 99.9%. For sure. And if and if they don't, and if they kick a field goal and succeed, their win percentage is only 90%. So, so I actually think they did the right thing. As the coach of the Minnesota Vikings, you're yeah. going for that? 100, like 100 times out of 100, I will. See, so I think they did the right thing. I just, I don't think you can look at if they, I, can, I don't think you can look at it like in... Like going back and saying, oh, because they didn't get it, it was wrong, or because they did get it, it was right. I think you just have to make your decision 
based on the information you have at the time. And at Tell the me time, where I my think, logic is wrong. So this is what went through my head. Yeah. Me and Carl were watching this football game. I thought, they're up five. Yeah. If they go, if they kick a field goal, yeah. the worst possible thing that could happen, yeah. the worst possible thing that could happen is go to overtime and have a chance to win the game. If I do not get this fourth down, the worst possible thing that could happen happens and that probably okay. happens with Russell Wilson on the, uh, let so, me finish my thought. Okay. With okay, Russell okay. Wilson on the other side of the football, that happens at least or more than 50% of the time. If I I think that was it. Okay. So obviously you think Russell Wilson is going to score if they don't convert, right? Say yes. they say they go up by 8. And but I'm thinking the same thing against Mahomes or like no, any of the top I, I agree, five I agree, good I agree, quarterbacks I agree. in the league. But I think I think one the one thing you're missing is super important. If Minnesota if Minnesota kicks the field goal and goes up by eight, yeah, and the same amount of time is on the clock as when they stop the Vikings on fourth and one, yeah. Based on your logic of like Russ is always going to score, I think you have to also say that if they kick the field goal, Russ is probably scoring a touchdown and they're probably getting their two-point conversion. Well, and Minnesota's Minnesota's chances of getting that fourth and one are higher than Russ not going down the field and getting a touchdown and a two-point conversion. So I think Russ is getting a touchdown, yeah. but then I look at the two-point conversion stats and they're 47%. So I like that stat better. 47% for the league or for Seattle? For the league. The league average. So I think what are Seattle's? I think I think well, if, I think knowing if, that they were listen, zero and nineteen listen, on listen, third listen. down. If you think Russ is driving ninety yards and scoring a touchdown with forty seconds left and completing that, I'm pretty sure with one. I'm both, pretty sure right? with one second. Yeah, but but Russ doing both is still a less percentage than Minnesota not getting a two point convert or not, not converting for fourth, fourth and one. Hmm. Yeah, Zeke was benched. Unreal. It's an interesting conversation, Mike. Yeah. But I am almost always, and teams do not nearly do this enough, even from middle of the field or your own 45 on fourth and short or fourth and one, way too many teams punt. And I think, honest, I think quarterback sneaks on fourth and one or fourth and short are like 95 or 98% over the years. No, it's way. almost automatic. It can't be that high. It is almost automatic. What do Quarterback you th- sneaks. What about when you have the best punter in the league? Uh, so Seattle last week. Yeah, we had five punts inside the twenty. Five punts and inside the twenty. Yeah, two or three were inside the five. Yeah. Uh, I still think you, you still think go I for it. I still think you're going for it on your own forty-five. Hundred percent. The QB sneak stats, yeah. 88%. 88? Yeah. For uh, what range of time is that? What do you mean? Like, is that this four, year? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's 2020? 2020. Okay. So, okay. So, and especially, I'll say it's even more on like fourth and inches than fourth and one or fourth and two. But like fourth and inches, you're going to rarely get stopped. Yeah. And punting from midfield is just... It's not. It's not right. It's why you see the best offenses year after year. They don't do that. Baltimore never does it. Kansas City never does it. Seattle does it too much. Seattle punts almost every single. Seattle time. punts every time because they're still in this 2010 mindset where their defense is just gonna ball out, and they're not. 
they don't play to their strengths, and their strengths aren't what they used to be. What do you think of Jamal Adams? I love Jamal Adams. I think he's excellent. Is he the best defensive player in the league? Uh, not the best defensive player in the league. He's probably a top three safety. Top three safety? Yeah, top two safety, top three safety. He's not, He's you know, he, you could probably convince me he's the best safety in the league. It was an unreal pickup for Seattle. I So this is my... He's, 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 he's very, very good. My comment is I've never seen a safety like him. Yeah. And to be completely honest, I watch few games closely other than Seattle Seahawks. So I'm comparing him to Cam Chancellor. I'm comparing him to Earl Thomas. Yeah. Like, I'm par- like who were superstars at their like peak time. Um, do you think that it's hard for me to equate like the best defensive player with like a defensive player who's more like valuable. Who? So who's a pass a, a pass rusher is more valuable than a safety. So anyone like a cute uh, But he is a pass rusher. He's the he, best pass rusher on the Seattle Seahawks. He, he I, <laughs> I agree. But like Donald Donald yeah. influences the game more than yeah. Adams will like yeah. a shutdown corner will mm-hmm. Influence the game a little bit more than Adams. It was an unreal pickup for Seattle because it's something they needed. Huge. Um, I I don't know if it's enough to get them over the hump. <laughs> I agree, but I think it gives them a way way better chance than uh, they had. I agree. Back to best team in the league. Okay, <clears throat> I want to go back to the Tennessee Pittsburgh. Yes, Seattle sorry, you time. never answered that question. Yeah, so the. Uh, no, no, no. Hold on. I, I ranked the hold offensive on, on. and defense. You never answered my question from last yeah. night. So last night, Tennessee was uh, down by seven, yeah. scored a touchdown. Yeah. Four, there was like four seconds left. Yeah. The game's over. Do you, as head coach Mike Bell, yeah. kick the field goal or go for two? I probably would have went for two. Um, I would have handed the ball off to Derrick Henry, who averaged like fucking 75 yards per carry last night. Uh, and so during that, during the coin flip in overtime, did you see Deshaun Watson's reaction? Yeah. So he, he literally knew as soon as Tennessee got the ball that they weren't going to win the game. Yeah. And I think that if Tennessee loses the toss and Houston gets the ball, I think Tennessee loses the game. So I think the best chance for Tennessee to win the game was probably to go for it. You're hoping on the coin toss. You're hoping on the coin toss. Which is why I just, I hate, I hate that. I hate that thought of like if I can get this game to overtime I'm gonna win like your your win percentage is more based on like winning the coin toss than it is anything else so if your mindset is getting to overtime are you thinking more I have the better playmakers in the clutch to win a game like what are you thinking what's your mindset because like as a Seattle guy yeah if we get to overtime I I know that we're going to see the best Russell Wilson. We're the best version of Russell Wilson, right? If okay, so versus if, like if we're playing Andy Dalton, the fucking no, backup I think, from I Dallas. Think from, I, I think like from, our chances. from team to team, it one hundred percent, it one hundred percent matters. Yeah, and that's why like yesterday's game with Houston and Tennessee is like a pretty good case study because both it's teams know that the other team is going to score on the most likely. Yeah. So I think if you get a chance to win the game in regulation, you probably should do that because if you lose the toss, you're ninety percent. 80% going to lose the game. Yeah. But like <clears throat> if it's Kansas City and Seattle, 
and the game goes to overtime, and it's Seattle a, loses the coin. Whoever wins the coin, the coin toss yeah, wins. Yeah, whoever wins the coin toss is going to win. And you don't want the overtime rules need to change because I think that, I don't know, I think the coin toss still determines too much. Why did they, why did they reduce the overtime time from 15 to 10 minutes? I have no idea. Why is there a fucking tie in the <laughs> NFL? Just let someone Should kick be, a field goal and yeah, win the game. What yeah. the hell? Keep playing. Someone's going to kick a field It's not going to take an hour and a half to kick a field goal. Wow. That's oh. a touchdown. Christian Kirk. Uh-oh. Let's go. JC, you're not looking good. Sorry about that. So Jordan and I made a bet last night. There was two Monday night games. We're going to bet $100 per game. Yeah. She gets to pick the winner of the first game. I get to pick the winner of the second game. She luckily took the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, I thought that game was going to be a lot closer than it yeah, was. Fair. But if I had that choice, I probably would have picked the Chiefs too. And then in this game, I picked the uh, Cardinals. So we're going to break even. That was a perfect throw in stride. He didn't even have to break. Kind of Russell Wilson esque. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Back to your comment about the three unbeatens. Uh,. I think that because I have a number of real good things that I want to talk about. So yeah. let's get. I think on that I honestly think right now I without Seattle's home field advantage with their fans, I would probably say Pittsburgh is more likely to win than Seattle. Head to head neutral head, site. Head to head neutral site. I right now I would probably think Pittsburgh is. Did you see I, Seattle's record last year on the road? I didn't, but I'm just going off of this year. Carl, I'm pretty sure we were six and two on the road. Pretty sure. Six and two. Thank you. If I bring up my uh, betting account right now, <laughs> <laughs> whose odds based on? The Sharps in the betting world has a better chance to win the Super Bowl. Odds? Yeah. I would say Kansas City, number no, one. No, no, between Seattle and Pittsburgh. Super even. I would say they're all, I would say they're identical. So one thing you have to understand about uh, Vegas and whoever's making these odds and NFL.com and ESPN is they absolutely hate the Pacific Northwest. They hate everything about the NFC West. You think so? It's been the best division in football for what? A decade? It, it's been good. For I, a decade. For 10 I, years. I, I think that, I think I, I agree ESPN and stuff has, but, but betting sites wouldn't like base their money and stuff on people that they hate. Their, their lines are usually pretty accurate. Really? Yeah. All right. So you know what? Because I was, it was wrong. Me? Seattle's seven and a half to one. Pittsburgh's eleven to one. Mm-hmm. As of right now. So who's number one? Casey. Casey. Baltimore. Seattle. Pittsburgh. Baltimore. Man, I don't see Baltimore making a, a run this year. I just I I can't until Lamar wins an actual big game. I'm not going to trust him. He's not a quarterback. He's he's extremely good at the offense that Baltimore has asked him to be in and it's like super scheme dependent and he's 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 like he's super effective at what he's asked to do. I just don't think he's like a true 
quarterback. He's good. He's a good football player. Excellent athlete, but he's a really good football player. I don't. I, I don't I see don't them getting. He's through, a Super Bowl I don't see them. I don't see them getting over the hump. I don't know. I think they're they're almost maybe like for the next five or six years they're probably going to play Kansas City. Has any and quarterback like him ever won a Super Bowl? Mike Vick ever won a Super Bowl? Nope. No? I think the, they made an NFC Championship game once, I think. I don't think he ever even The thing that I think that Baltimore has that maybe Vic didn't have is that their defense is still really good. I agree. And they have running backs that are still very good, and he's not... If, his, if their defense plays really well and their running backs play well, I, I think that they could maybe win one with him being not asked to do very well. But I think that it, whenever they get behind like they did against Tennessee last year in the playoffs and he's forced to like throw and, mm. and like lead an offense, I don't think they can win. So I think everything has to go their way in order for, for Baltimore to be successful postseason-wise. That's, that's my take. And I honestly don't, I don't, think, I don't think Kansas City is as good as they were last year. I don't think Baltimore's quite as good as they were last year. But they peaked really late though, right? Kansas City? Yeah. I think Kansas City is just going to keep like building steam. I don't think losing to the Raiders by double digits is like indicative of of their talent. But, and I I, I do kind of believe in like a little fumble it. I dare you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I think that uh, there's like maybe a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover when you know your team is that good and you can just like rely on Mahomes to win games if you have to. Mm -hmm. So I think them being the favorite is still probably correct, but I wouldn't say, I could see like one of six or seven teams probably winning this year. I kind of want to hear that list, but (laughs) I want to share something with you. So... DK yep. versus Megatron. Yeah, bad comparison. For, hold on, just listen. Listen, listen to the stats. You're yeah. a stats guy, right? I am, I am, I am. So here's your spreadsheet. I am. Through their first 20 career games, yeah. DK, 74 receptions. Yeah. Megatron, 71. DK, 1303 yards. Megatron, 1133. DK, 10 touchdowns. Megatron, 7. Okay. DK yards per reception, 17.6. Not that I really care about this, but 17.6 versus 15.9 for Megatron. Mm -hmm. Catch percentage, 57.8 on targets. Megatron, 51.4. Okay, so uh, I think DK is very good. He's better than I thought he was going to be. I know, because you didn't like... Hold on, hold on, hold on. I did not like him. I I still don't think he's the best receiver in his class. And I don't think it's particularly close. A.J. Brown is better than Metcalf. You don't think he's a top five receiver in the league right now? No. I think Lockett's a better receiver than... All his stats are top five in the league. I agree. But I think that the thing that you're not counting is that teams double-team, triple-team game-planned around Calvin Johnson. I agree. Because it was the only option that Detroit had. I agree. Uh, I think DK is almost just based on his size and speed in general, is probably almost always going to win one-on-ones. And he does. And that's like not a slight against him, but I think he's in a system where he can be super successful because I think Lo- I, th- I do think Lockett is a better receiver and he can run more route, 
he is better oak tree. Just he's physically he, he's limited, physic- right? Yeah, he's physically limited, and I don't think he can like dominate DBs the same way as as Metcalf can. Um, I don't. I don't know. I think he's. I think he's really good. I think he's a top fifteen receiver in the league. I don't think he's top five. So I think Seattle has two top fifteen receivers in the league and top one quarterback and a pretty good run game, and they scored zero points in the first half against the Vikings. You're talking okay. You're talking about one half out of I, ten halves this year. So I far. I am. Do right? you? I don't but care. Outside, so let's say outside of that yeah, one half, yeah. we're probably averaging twenty one points a half. Right outside uh, of that, outside of that one half, yeah. Because before what that, their, what's their schedule been like this year? Like, so, what's the best team they played? So, probably New England. Yes, probably New England. And I think New England is Who'd better New than England? the record shows. Who did New England lose to this week? The Broncos. Yeah, the I know. Broncos. I know, but I, I, I think New England will make the playoffs. I think so too. I think they're better than the record shows, but. Um, I think the I think the NFL and the world of the NFL and the world of football fans are going to learn a lot about the Seahawks in the next five weeks. The next five weeks are unreal. Like as a Seahawks fan, I'm pumped because okay, we have so some be as real exciting un, games. Be as unbiased as you can, telling me about their schedule and yeah. what you think yes. a good record would be. So this is my thought. Okay. I think we're going four and one in the next five games. Who are they playing? We play uh, Arizona. Okay. San Fran. Yeah, Bu- Buffalo. Okay, Where? L.A. Where's the Buffalo game? At Buffalo. Okay, at L.A. Yeah, and then uh, Arizona again. Okay, so I th- they're going to beat Arizona twice. Uh, I think we beat Arizona twice. I think uh, the Rams and the Buffalo game are both coin tosses, yeah. and I think we beat San Fran. You think you beat San Fran? Yeah. And then so and then See, the ref- I, I think four I think four and one is like very appropriate, but I wouldn't be like super shocked if they went three and two or two and three. I don't think two and three is an option based on how good the offense is. So like look at how poorly the entire squad played last game. Yeah. And we still won. Yeah, I think my take on Minnesota as a team this year is a little bit different than you. I think they're like a bottom five team in the league. They are not good at football. <laughs> they are not good. Um, I think they're middle of the pack. Like I think they'll f- finish the year 15 to 20. I don't think they're they bottom have a, 10. They, what are they, one and five? I think. They only have one, year, one win this year. Did they play yesterday? Who did they play yesterday? They got smoked by the Falcons. They play the Falcons. That was, but, a, that okay, was the Falcons' so, first one of the year. So this that's our tough stretch because then after those five games, we play, <laughs> listen to this, <laughs> Philly, okay, Giants, Jets, and then the team without a name. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a very bold prediction right now. Okay. I'm going to say that Seattle... Beats Arizona twice. Okay. Seattle narrowly beats 
the 49ers. Okay. So Actually, means- no, they narrowly beat the hold, Rams. Hold on, hold on. We're, we're going to go through the games in order. Okay. Okay, so we're 5-0 and right now, coming okay. off a bye week. We have Cardinals next week, okay, so, so you say win. Then 49ers. 1-1. One, one. So we're 7-0. and You say we'd lose to the 49ers? So this is my hot take of the night. All right. I don't think so, but okay. Then we play in Buffalo. Are you writing this down? Yeah, yeah. In Buffalo. Uh, you beat Buffalo. Okay. Then in LA. You lose to the Rams. Then uh, at home against the Cardinals. You beat the Cardinals. Okay, so you think we're, what is that? Three and two. Yeah, so that's eight and two. Yeah. And then we have Philly. Where's Giant- the Philly game? At Philly. Okay, that's my hottest take. I think <laughs> that Seattle's going to lose that's to shocking. Philly. So there you have so, it. I think they go three and three. Barring over some six. shocking injury, yeah. like DK or Carson or Russ, yeah. I think there's no chance in hell that we're losing one game out of those next four. Philly, Giants, Jets, I think, football team with no name. I think that... Yeah, see, I'm not a C, I'm I'm an unbiased Seahawks fan. I think the Seahawks are outperforming their record right now, and I think they're the, the Rams, best offense in the league. I, I agree, but their defense is still. Yeah, but if issue. they're going to score thirty, I know, I know. I'm just saying. I think the Seah- I think the Seahawks record. I think the Seahawks are a thirteen and three, twelve and four team. 13, also, I'd say thirteen and three. 13-3, I could also Based see on our schedule. I could also see half. them if they drop one of the games to the Rams. The 49ers are three and three, and the Rams are four or four ers are four ers are three and three, and the Rams are four and one. Four and one. Yeah. Rams are four and two. They're four and two because they, they lost, lost to the 49ers. Niners so yesterday. I could honestly see if the Seahawks lose the game to the Rams. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams end up winning that division. I don't I don't think the so I don't think the Rams are good enough. I think the Rams are like an 11 and 5 team at the end of the year. Yeah. I I think they're 11 and 5 if you think they're going to lose to the Seahawks, but I think their records can be flip-flopped and they might lose on the head-to-head. Cuz I think that McVay will just out-coach Carroll. And I think Kyle Shanahan will outcoach Carroll. And I think that is going to be an issue. And I have literally said that every single week for like the last three years about Russ that I... Oh my... You ought to be fucking kidding me, man. Oh my Who's God. That? that was Michael Gallup. Man, you, the ball you slippery. Like What's the ball? Sli- the, we have great receivers, three man. Stud receivers. They're unreal. Look at it. Dalton's throwing oh, dimes, man. What the hell was that? Jeez. It was tip drill. <laughs> I remember playing that in high school. That's oh fun. my god. Um. Yeah. Mike's really upset right now. I'm choked. All right. Well, we're disagreeing about that, like, but that's okay. Do you want to go into the halftime with down two touchdowns or down three touchdowns? I think they're... Oh. Yeah, get them. Get them. <laughs> oh, there's some... Someone's going to get tossed. 
All right. I don't know where we were before that conversation, but it, I got so many questions, so I might can, as well just Can going. you, like, are, are, you, Honest, are you unbiased right now? Yes. In this moment? Yeah. Who's winning the Super Bowl? So I think there, I, I could probably name five teams that I think have a legitimate chance of winning a Super Bowl. Okay. And one of them is not the Rams. I don't think the Rams are good enough to win the they Super Bowl. They weren't on my list either. Okay. I'm just noting, because yeah. you were saying that the Rams and the Seahawks yeah. are borderline going to win the division. Yeah. I think the best five teams in the league are KC. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. I like Tennessee from the beginning of the year. Ask Carl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I named them as a potential AFC championship team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle and Green Bay in the and NFC. Green Bay. So I... I don't I think agree. anyone else in the NFC is good enough to beat those two teams. I, I agree with your list, but I would add in a few teams just because I think if everything goes their way, they could probably make some noise. I don't think Buffalo's good enough. I don't think Buffalo's good enough. I don't enough. think Baltimore's good enough. I would add Baltimore in. Okay. Uh, you're going to disagree with this, but if Tampa Bay can sort their passing defense out, they're actually could be an issue. Uh, I know you don't like Brady. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I don't. But, I don't like, but, I, but so in, even, big, in big hold game. On, hold on, hold on. Let me make this comment. Yeah. I hate Brady. Yeah. <laughs> if I saw him in the street, I would punch him in the face. <laughs> but at the same time, I always gave him credit that his team was a good football team, yeah. and I think he's good enough to win the AFC Championship yeah. in New England. Yeah. This year... I do not think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a chance at winning the AFC Championship. Okay, I I, I agree with your take. Okay, I disagree and say that if I had to guess, they probably are in the top six or seven in terms of winning it, odds wise and in my head wise, because their rushing defense is elite, their offense is elite, and. They just have issues defending the pass, but that's like a lot of teams. I'd say their defense is pretty good. Their offense is they've, decent. They have two. They're same as Seattle. They have two top fifteen guys receiving as well. I know, but I think Seattle's quarterback situation is, is better. So much better. I, I agree. I'm. He doesn't even know what down he's playing. <laughs> he's so confused he's out de- there. He's a little delusional. Is that Alzheimer's? What is that? I I I, I got. Honest, to be honest with you, I got the Green Bay Tampa Bay Tampa Bay game extremely wrong yesterday. I was ready to cash in my money when Green Bay went up ten nothing. Yeah, and then they got I agree. outscored like thirty five to nothing after that. So I, I almost put that as the same as the Chiefs losing to the, the Raiders. Raiders. So I think if Green Bay and Tampa play again next week, yeah. Green Bay wins thirty eight ten. I think Green Bay's defense is a little overvalued. I don't think they're that good. And other than Jones, Rodgers, and Adams, I think after that, they don't have that many options. But I can see Rodgers winning like any game like Russ. Like, he just is so talented that they could probably win like a one-game scenario. But I don't think they're... Uh, Did you watch that game closely? I watched all of it. It what? was very weird. What happened with their offense after the first quarter? Rodgers threw a really bad threw pick. Two, two picks. And then one got tipped uh, and should have been picked. And then Brady played exceptional, and then Tam- Green Bay couldn't stop the run, and then Brady converted on a bunch of like 
third down situations and they just could run out the clock. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like really weird in a way that that's what the Patriots would do. Like if Patriots got a lead, they're probably going to win and that's what Tampa did. They got down early, but then I don't even... I know Green Bay was up 10 nothing after the first quarter and then I think the Bucks scored like 30 or 35 points in a row until the end of the game. No, they did. It was 38-10. Is 38-10? Is that what yeah. it ended up? And yeah, Green Bay was up 10-0 at the end so of the first they're quarter. They're up 10 nothing within like the first six or seven mm-hmm. minutes. And then I think they, they scored do anything. like 21 and 28 in the second quarter. 28 in the second 28. quarter. Yeah. So one of them was a, one of them was a pick six, and I would say that was I think that was Roger that was Roger's third pick six in his career. Really? Yeah. Um but like people I think for people are like polarized on Brady because he used to play in New England. And people hate the Patriots, but Brady is like he's still good. He's not either. He's not either the goat or he's shit. He's like he's still a very capable quarterback even at his age. He still can throw the deep ball pretty good. He's still super super smart, and he has probably better weapons than he's ever had since he played with Moss. And like prime Gronk, that. but I think I think like in a in a one game like playoff format where he's forced to go up against someone else, I feel like other than a few teams that could probably outscore the Bucks, I think he has a pretty good chance of winning a game. What's their coaching situation like? Uh, it's okay. It's not great. Do you think that's a? But that's I think a, the difference between him beating Tennessee or Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Um. I think that the Bucks and Tennessee match up pretty good. For who? Because Tennessee relies a lot on the run and play action because mm-hmm. teams have to scheme more against Henry than they there do Tannehill. Six right there. Yeah. So I don't think that's a throw Rodgers makes that was very... A, that was a terrible throw. Yeah. What Brady just What threw. Brady threw to Gronk? Yeah. Um, Gronk just made a good play. But... Uh, the ball was end over end going into the end zone. Um... Like you punted it. What were we talking about? Tennessee and Tampa? Tam- Tampa's very good on the run, and I think Tampa against Tennessee could be like an upset. Tampa could win that game, and I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa was favored in that game, so it probably wouldn't even be an upset. Who comes out of the AFC? I'll give you a championship for both. AFC, it will be... Shit. I think it'll either be Pittsburgh, Baltimore against KC. Pittsburgh or Baltimore against, against KC. KC. I okay. think KC is for sure. KC is a for sure. I think KC is a for sure. Okay. And then NFC will be. So you didn't even pick the Bucks. No, I'm just saying what I think will happen. But I wouldn't be super surprised if the Bucks got to the championship game. Uh, NFC easy thing to say NFC oh no NFC would be NFC championship game will be Dallas against (laughs) uh, you're not going to make the playoffs man that's actually hard for me it's Green Bay Seattle the Bears are five and one, but Bears are an absolute disaster. Mm. <laughs> uh, 
It's going to be Seattle. I'm going to say it's going to be Seattle, Tampa. Tampa is AFC? Yeah. Oh, shit. Tampa's thinking? NFC. Or NFC, NFC, sorry. Yeah. They're in whose Tampa's division? The Saints, the South. Pa- Panthers, and Falcons. Oh, and the same, fuck. Yeah. But I think you could get one of those weird scenarios where... Why don't we get to play Tampa? Fuck. Let's change the schedule due to COVID. Do you get one of those weird scenarios where if by some chance Seattle loses their division and then they have to play like the Packers or the Bucks or uh, the Saints? And I'm not super scared about the Saints, but like that would be a pretty high-profile matchup to play in a, divi- in a divisional round. So I think, this is what I think. I think Seattle's coaching staff is smart enough now, based on the first five games I've watched this year, to know that they have the best player in the entire league. And in difficult matchups, they let him play the way that he is supposed to play the game. Which, (laughs) but in games that we're supposed to blow the opponent out... This is the typical Seattle thing. Uh, Go down early yeah. and wait till the second half and then win on the last play of the game. So I think in the next five games, yeah. I think you're going to see a different Seattle team. So you think team. they're 9-1? I, th- I think you're going to see a different Seattle team that is more aggressive and more explosive than you've ever seen before. That'd be, that'd be, I would be super happy to see that. Dude, they're so shockingly good on offense. <laughs> I've, I've said this to other people and they don't believe me, but I've never seen a Seattle offense that is this good. That's fair. Like, even Sean Alexander days, like all that stuff, Marshawn Lynch days, yeah. I've never seen an offense this good. Yeah. Doug Baldwin, Javon Kurse, like all those guys. They had Baldwin, Lockett, Metcalf. <sighs> Baldwin, Baldwin was, tears away Baldwin touchdowns was one of my, in the end zone. Baldwin was one of my favorites. I love that guy. Didn't he sleep with... Uh, he did something wrong. I think that's why he left. Yeah. He slept with Russell Wilson's ex-wife. But uh, That's the rumor on the street. So you have, you have Seattle, Green Bay. Michelle. I think that was her name. Oh, good for you. I had, had no idea. What... Tom Brady has an ex-wife? I didn't know that either. Hmm. Sorry. You Go have ahead. Seattle, Green Bay. And then who do you have on the other side? NFC Championship, Seattle-Green Bay. I think Seattle wins a tight game, 34-31. 34-31. Yep. Okay. And AFC Championship, I have KC and... Tennessee. KC, Tennessee? I think Tennessee beats Pittsburgh in the divisional game. Okay. I like Tennessee, man. Okay. I think I don't uh, you know what? I like this year for me is kind of a toss up with a bunch of teams. The AFC's a <laughs> complete crapshoot. Yeah. Whereas the NFC I feel like there's four teams that people should talk about. Mm-hmm. The AFC there's probably like eight. Totally. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So in the AFC you have Casey, Baltimore, uh Tennessee. Yeah. You have Help me. Pittsburgh? Obviously Pittsburgh. Who else? 
Buffalo. Buffalo. That's five already. New England, if you want to include New, New England. I would include New England. I yeah. think New England is going to be like a 10 and 16, mm-hmm. even though they're two and three right now. Two and three or three and New three? New Orleans, if you want to include them. New Orleans is eight. Or oh, sorry, other side, yeah. So that's six easily that we just met. Yeah. In. There's always like a random team in there. Yeah. Okay. I got a lot of questions. Do you have any questions for me? Because I got a lot for you. Um, I like how you preface your questions with, you have to answer this unbiasedly. Because, Danny, I know you well enough to know that. I know, but you, I'm pretty you good. Say, you say you're unbiased, so, but you're a little bit Seattle biased. Dude, I'm 100,000% biased. <laughs> like, no one has ever made it. I'm not, like, I'm not trying to argue that. How? Yeah, I have one question for yes. you. Yes, let's hear it. If Seattle, if Seattle gets into a scenario mm-hmm. where they are the best team in their conference, we should fire Martin Sean Armour. How big of a issue do you think it is that there's not like a home field advantage this year? <laughs> Ask me that question three years ago, I would have said a big deal. Ask me that question this year, I would say not, not as honestly, much. Honestly, not much. Yeah. Based on our away record last year, six and two, Carl. Sorry. Verified that. It was seven and one. Six and two was a 2013 record. And last year they broke it. Seven and one away. So that was usually our Achilles heel, right? I just mean like in terms of an advantage playing in. I think better players win football games, right? I agree. So I think our offense is top three in the league. If I'm unbiased, top three. If I'm biased, it's the best in the league. Unbiased, top three. I think Casey's offense is phenomenal. Yeah. I think ours is in should be in consideration. Yeah. And who else? Who's who's team three? Green Bay's offense looks really good. Green, other Green, than Green this Bay, week. Dallas. Well, not making a joke. Dallas's offense is absolutely incredible. Yeah, but I'm no, pretty sure they're but Dak's gone, so you can't. I know, I know, I know. Um offensive wise, who did you say? Green Bay, Seattle. Green Bay, Seattle, Casey. Casey. Tennessee has a good offense. Tennessee just knows their identity really well. But it's not as it's not like, like it's not it's that not, it's not a Casey level. It's, it's not a Seattle oh, no, level. I don't think it is, but like they're Vrabel just does a good job at what they're good at. They they run the ball and then they use play action yeah. and then they open up play action for Tannehill. And Tannehill is not the greatest QB, but Tannehill is very, very good at what he's asked to do. He's accurate and he is a little bit he can be mobile at times, but like they just Tennessee is like the epitome of playing to their strengths. So I watched that game yesterday and I was thinking if if Tennessee lost that game, yeah. I would have wait, you just asked me who's in the AFC championship. Tennessee wouldn't have been there. If they didn't go down and score in the fourth quarter, yeah. last second, went uh kick kick the extra point so and then score do. right away. Yeah. I don't think I would have put them there. I probably would have put Pittsburgh or Baltimore. Yeah. Against Casey. But I like them, man. I like them from the beginning. I think Henry's the best running back in the league. I think their defense is pretty good. Yeah. I think... Uh, it's maybe not as good as um, Pittsburgh's. I think Henry is is probably the best runner in the league. Runner, yeah. I think that like there's other running backs that are probably better, definitely better dual, dual sure. threats for sure. sure. But Henry, like... The thing that Tennessee has to be careful with Henry is that he's on pace to have like the most carries ever 
in like the last decade or something. Yeah. Which is good and early in your career. It's good early in your career, but, but in two years from now, it's not great. <laughs> he's getting like 25 plus carries a game. Yeah. And it's not like these are carries with a light box. These are like heavy, 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 heavy carries. Full box, like three, four guys tackling you at once. Um, so I could see him like get, not getting burnt out, but you can you can just your legs can go a little bit at the end of the year after a while, dude. One hundred percent. Yeah. I so that's what I like so much about Seattle. Yeah. Is you like the addition I, of Hyde? I think he's a phenomenal four to six carry guy a game, like a yeah. really good guy yeah. to bring in when. Dude, we're gonna get Penny back in two weeks. Yeah, it's true. That's Carson, true. Penny, and Carlos Hyde. That's a pretty good who, core. Who, who would be the best third down pass catcher back that they have? Carson's been phenomenal. Been, yeah, that's actually true. He's been really His good. His hands have been better lately. He's been really good on yeah. on like play action yeah. out of the backfield. Um, I think out of those three, yeah. Carson, Carson, right now, yeah. yeah. But um, Homer's really good as like he's that's the true. fourth I guy. I forget about him. That's true. And they they bring him in on random plays just yeah. to like block, but he comes out like yeah. he'll release out of the backfield and he's good too. Um yeah. I'm biased. Everyone knows that. It like this is a fucking podcast called Seahawks Seahawks Social. Uh, I don't so everyone knows. Did you but, like, did you answer my like did question. you say KC in terms of who you actually think will win the Super Bowl this year? No, Super Bowl? Yeah. Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Seahawks guy, Carol? I'm pretty neutral. Neutral? Yeah. So well, this who, is what I like. This is what I like, Mike. We need a little more scotch discussion. This is what I like. I'll have a little I like, top up. Which one did you have? This one? Uh, oh. This one. Don't get What I like is this is the best Seattle offense I've ever seen. And I'm saying that unbiasedly that I've never I, seen I an totally, offense totally with this it. many weapons. Russ is in the absolute peak of his career. Yeah. And he I think he's the best. If I am picking a team like a if I'm picking players to win a Super Bowl this year, I'm picking Russell Wilson over Patrick Mahomes, over Lamar Jackson, over Aaron Rodgers. So I I think he is the best quarterback in the league. Let me finish my thought. I would love to hear your thought. <laughs> this uh, this is the best Seattle offense I've ever seen. We have two stud wide receivers. We have a third wide receiver that has made some really really clutch big catches in David Moore. Mm-hmm. Dude, that True. catch on the on the sideline against great. the pylon in the end zone was one of the best catches I've ever seen a wide receiver make. How his body was contorted to drag his foot behind him yeah. to get it inbounds was like unbelievable. I think my receiver, that just, my, re- my receiver just fell over and expected pass interference, and then they picked it. I think they got their feet tangled, but that was, that was shocking. I think when we get Jamal Adams that, back on defense. You, you've got to be kidding me. That's P.I., man. Hold on. I didn't see it. Let's rewind. I'm unbiased because I know. I hate Tell me. Dallas tell Cowboys. me in 2020 no, how I'm gonna this tell you, is I'm not. I'm going to tell you the rule. Okay. I think I know the rules. <laughs> illegal. That's illegal contact. It's not P.I. I think the ball is already in the air, though. I, you can't see where the ball is. 
It's a penalty. It's definitely illegal contact. And he goes out of bounds. That's bad. Um, can you challenge those? You can in the CFL. I don't know if you can challenge in the NFL. Is that even a league that's still? <laughs> it shouldn't be. Then they closed down. <laughs> All right. Um, what was your question? Okay. So Super Bowl can't, winner? Can't, yes. Seattle beats KC. Uh, that's honestly that's the Super Bowl that I think would be the best unless it's I think seeing Rodgers and Mahomes would be awesome and Mahomes Russell Wilson would be awesome. I agree. Um so last year mm-hmm. Casey had like a historically good offense. Correct. Their defense rushing wise was actually pretty good. Passing wasn't great. That's exactly what the Seahawks are this year. Do you think that the Seahawks are good enough at anything defensively to like, do you think their offense is good enough to make up for as, as many deficiencies do they have defensively like KC did? So I think a few things. One, I think our, our defense is decent at some things. Yeah. Rushing really good. Stopping the run pretty good. And I think it's skewed. Remember we talked about this earlier. I think it, the how bad the de- the Seattle defense is at against the pass is based on us being up early in games. So the first that's, four that's, weeks that's we we're up very yeah. big. Yeah. Like against the Cowboys, we we're up big early, like mm-hmm. fourteen nothing or like fourteen three point. or something. And Dak threw the ball fifty seven times yeah. against us. Yeah, that's fair. If you're playing a top five quarterback in the NFL, yeah, they're gonna make completions. Yeah. Like it just it is what it is. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Our pat, especially knowing that the Seattle Seahawks do not have rush? a good pass. Not good. The worst part of our team is the pass rush. So that is the Achilles heel of yeah. the Seattle Seahawks. If we don't win the Super Bowl this year with the guys that we have on so our team, if Mahomes is given like a bunch it's of time to throw, 100 percent the yeah. pass rush. Yeah. I think our offense is better. I think our offense is, has the ability to outscore anyone in the league. I think we're going to find out here if it was PI or contact. <laughs> Who who get who's making this decision now? If they didn't throw a flag, though, I think they just look like that's just, that's that's a pretty bad missed call. That was bad. Um, um, but yes, I think our off, I think our defense is good enough. This is my logic, Mike, and you can critique it all you want. Yeah, I think our defense is good enough. To give up less points than the offense, offense is going to score. And that's all you have to do to win games. Right? I respect that. Like, because a healthy Jamal Adams, yeah. I know you say a safety is not as valuable as a pass rusher, but I don't know. Like, if you watched him in the first couple of weeks when he was healthy, yeah. then he, like, I don't know. He, he hurt. He, what did he do? He, like, twisted his knee or something. Yeah, he, and hurt, he, hurt, he hurt something for sure. It was like a weird. He was just rushing the passer coming outside and just like twist his knee or something. It's his groin, right? Oh, pulled his groin. His That's groin. what he did. Yeah. But in the first two weeks, he is involved on every play on defense. Yeah. yeah. He's an animal, man. I've I've never seen anyone on the Seattle Seahawks team like this guy. And I like him a lot. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah. Totally. If you just watch him, like, I'm obviously picking guys out now. Like watching on defense. It's Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams involved in every single play. Yeah. There's whatever, 65 Wagner's plays, been good 80, for so 70 long. plays against us. 
dude, he's so good. He's so good. He's how old is he? Thirty one. So he's been a he's been it's a like phenomenal he, linebacker. He's in the around NFL the ball. He just doesn't miss a tackle. For eight years. He's yeah. 30. 30. 30. I think he was drafted the same year as Russ, right? This is ninth. I think this is his ninth year. Same, I think he was the same as Russ. He was in the twenty twelve draft. He was. I think he was second round. Yep. And Russ was third round. <laughs> what two phenomenal? Wow, that's shocking, eh? When I uh, when I, I actually looked up like Russ's draft to start the year because I remember. Seattle brought in Matt Flynn to be their starter before Russ, and then Russ won it in training camp in preseason. Yeah, but I thought that Russ was like a fifth or sixth round pick that was more unknown. But they took him pretty high. They took him late third round, I think. I thought it was. I thought he was. I thought he was second round. No, he was. He was definitely third. Was he third? Can you look up his draft pick, Russell Wilson draft pick? I'm. But like when, the, the stories I remember coming out of the Seattle media was like this unknown well, guy. He was number twelve in the third round. Third, twelve and third. He was like this unknown guy in training camp that like won preseason and whatnot. But he was like Seattle did have an idea of how good he was. They just brought in Matt. Matt Flynn was expected to be their their guy. So that was early in my Seattle Seahawks fandom career. I think I was. I think I started being a huge Seahawks fan in two thousand six. That Tony Roma fumble snap, yeah, in the uh, wild card game, that was the first Seattle game I went to. Can you believe that? Wow, what a fucking really? start! That's unreal. And I will absolutely worship the Seahawks for the rest of my life because of that That's game. That's crazy. It you was know, insane, man. You know who else was drafted in twenty twelve? Uh, hold on, hold on. Richard Sherman. Uh, fuck, I don't know. Maybe who? Uh, Ryan Tannehill. Oh, I thought you were talking about Seahawks guy. No, sorry. Because Richard Sherman's around that age too, 30, 31. I went through that draft with uh, with my brother. I think RG3 was in that draft too. He was picked second and Andrew Luck was first. Yeah, so it was a huge cube. It was Luck, RG3, Russ, and Tannehill. Mm-hmm. But Russ was... And Tannehill and Russ were the two guys round. that are left. Exactly. Luck pulled the shoot pretty quick. <laughs> Tannehill, another guy that was ruined by Adam Gaze, the people thought. Brock Osweiler was that draft class? I don't even know who that is. I know, I know he is. I'm just making it up. <laughs> okay. Can I ask a few questions? I have a few questions. Yeah. Okay. These are like, I'd say one to three minute answers. Okay. Some of them at least. Did Aaron Rodgers lose his chance at MVP based on his performance last night? Go. Uh, yes, he did. Assuming that Russell Wilson does not have a loss like Rodgers had or a game like Rodgers had, which is honestly what I thought about yesterday when I was watching the Rodgers game is that flag. I can't remember the last time that Wilson had a game with zero touchdowns, zero rushing touchdowns, two picks, and was out like completely Ever. outplayed than another quarterback. Ever. And Rodgers just was, he was not good. So mm-hmm. I think that he 100% lost his chance assuming that Russ doesn't have a game like that. It's kind of, so like that's one of the things, again, I'm a biased Seahawks fan, but like that's one of the things I love about Russ is like he never has a shit game. There will be games where he has a mediocre day and he has 300 yards, two touchdowns, and like a tipped interception. For sure. 
and they'll lose by three to like a good team. Like last year against the Baltimore Ravens, yeah. like he didn't have a bad game. He didn't have a phenomenal Russell Wilson game, but they lost in late in the game. Yeah. I agree. That great point. My Carl, this is why Mike's on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Excellent points. Um, there he goes. Little man, little man. So fast. So one comment I wrote down. <laughs> just his like, feet are so he's just, fast. He just moves his feet so quick. So quick. Mike, one comment I wrote down in our notes for tonight was, uh, Mike, do you remember last year you said Metcalf wasn't that good? And I told you he was going to be the next Megatron. <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> we already uh, talked about that. We already talked about that. We can move on. You know that he's better. I than was wrong with how good I thought Metcalf was. Metcalf is the second best receiver in his class. He is not Megatron. Yeah. He is very good. Yet. Yeah. Calvin Johnson also wasn't Megatron. I agree. In his second year. Uh I think even though like DK's stat like uh athletic stats are freak like, Calvin Johnson is like more freak like in terms of size and speed. I don't think people realize Can how Can you pull fast up their physical stats, Carl? Yeah. I think Calvin Johnson at like Six foot six or something ran like a four point three, so forty or something like that. It in was the, in it, the it N- four point three five. Four three five in the NFL Combine. Yeah, Metcalf ran a four point four. Yeah, and I was asking Carl a couple weeks ago, what did uh, no was that four point four? Unofficially, he ran a four point three three. So very similar, baby. Yeah, yeah. Because so I was I was comparing him to Lock, and I was like, Lockett's way faster. And Lockett was a four point three. Lockett's quicker. Lockett was four point three, and Metcalf was four three three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's uh? I think Calvin was, in terms of overall like height and size, a little bit bigger. Maybe than a little bit taller. Metcalf, yeah. Yeah. Six foot five, two forty. That's Calvin Johnson. Six five two. And Metcalf is six four, six, four two right? thirty five. Yeah. Exactly. It's one inch difference. That I've never seen a physical human with that body. Yeah, I know. When, it's like uh, it's like the, one of those stupid dummies that you punch at I the know. gym. Like that's what his body. Like, it makes when, no Nicole, sense. when Nicole Nicole and I are in a fantasy league together, I'm like <laughs> I'm like, do you want to pick uh, this guy or DK Metcalf? He's like, show me a picture. So I, <laughs> I pulled up I pulled up the uh, the combine picture when he's shirtless and he just Jesus. looks like a roided out yeah. monster. He's like, I'm he's picking Metcalf. Twenty two years <laughs> yeah. old. Yeah. Who is the other guy? Um, Jordy Nelson like an or unknown, Yeah, like an unknown. <laughs> Small white guy? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Okay, I got more. Let me get more questions. I got more. I got a lot more. Okay, we had this chat the other night. Yeah. So this is something I'm really passionate about. Carl, I want your intake on this too. Mm-hmm. Is a team like the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. They're not going to make the playoffs. Everyone knows they're not going to make the playoffs. Why is Fitzgerald starting? Fitzpatrick? Fitzpatrick. Whatever the fuck his name is. Bearded man, XYZ. Why is he starting over their top draft pick who they're like supposed to be as the franchise quarterback? Why? Why? So I think there's uh, like one clear argument that both sides are on when they talk about this. And it's always like the cliche of he's just not ready so but i think, get ready so i i completely i'm on your side with this i think that 
for a team like Miami, who is maybe like maybe maybe good enough to get a wild card spot, unlikely but maybe. I don't even think so, man. Unlikely but maybe. Are clinging on to this idea that Fitzpatrick gives you a better chance to make the postseason than uh, Tua. But if you saw when Miami was up against the Jets big on Sunday, they brought in Tua for the last four minutes, and the Miami fans that were there went absolutely nuts. And I think, like, when a franchise has struggled like Miami for so long and they can get excitement from a guy like Tua, and I personally think the best way to get a young quarterback ready is to play him in games as opposed to 100%. practice squad practices and whatnot. I think 100% he should start. And Fitzpatrick is if – if, if, you, if you start Tua and Tua throws 10 picks and no touchdowns, you can go to a veteran like Fitzpatrick. That's why he's there. But you don't have your fifth overall pick, first round, sit on the bench when he's healthy, when your team is not – that good. It makes What's zero sense to me. Two and four? They're no, three and three they're three right and three. Hmm. And they have a couple good wins. They beat San Fran and they beat someone else that's like okay. And then the rest of their wins aren't great. But like they're Miami's actually better than most people think. But they're not gonna do anything. So I don't think starting to a hurts them at all. What and is the, so like say you're uh NFL franchise owner. Yeah. What is your goal as a team who let's say Best case scenario is yeah. you make the playoffs and lose in the wild card round. Yeah, I think versus start uh, your potential franchise quarterback. Yeah, let him learn, and you don't make the playoffs because he makes a few mistakes that yeah. maybe Fitzpatrick, who as a veteran doesn't make or doesn't throw those shitty interceptions think, or yeah, whatever. It's just that it's just that what's what's your goal as a team? Is your goal to make the playoffs and lose in the first round or is your goal Whose goal to, is that? That's what I mean though, but some owners think like, I haven't made the playoffs in a long time. I need to give my my franchise fans and whatnot like a playoff game. And they're more concerned about making the postseason. And is like, that anyone's goal? That it, it, more, more owners than not and head coaches, it is their goal to make the postseason and their job is way, way more secure, like losing in the postseason as opposed to missing the postseason by one game. Where it's what do you the mean same their outcome. job? That some 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 coaches think that they're like Yeah, but six. I'm the, you're the owner. Yeah. So, so you can tell the coach, Pete Carroll, bro, yeah. what the fuck? Dude, if I, was, the, if I was the owner, I would you're say- You're fucking fired. I would say start Tua. That's what I was saying. I'd say 100%, start, start my man. franchise quarterback that I drafted first round overall. And- Miami is probably just like, you know what? We have a chance to make the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Even if we lose in the first round, it'll still be a successful year. How is that success? Who in their goddamn right mind is excited about making the goddamn playoffs? The Dolphins. I'm not excited. I think you have been blessed with 10 years plus of Seattle being good and like to be a Dolphins fan and make the playoffs and see a playoffs game is like so important. I disagree, man. Like if I'm any like I so I'm a very diehard Seahawks fan. Yeah, I'm only concerned about winning the Super Bowl. That's that. Let's say Russell Wilson fucking sucked. Yeah, and we draft some guy next year that is what's that Clemson guy's name with the long hair? Trevor Lawrence. Sure, we draft Trevor. And Russell Wilson has a very mediocre year. He's bottom 15 in the league of quarterbacks. Like yeah. Fitzpatrick is. 
Start the guy that is going to make your team better in three years from now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I just think that some, like if you're a if you're a Jets franchise, if you're a Dolphins franchise, if you're a Giants franchise, and like you've been so bad for so long, and like you finally have a chance to make the postseason. But all those teams are starting young quarterbacks. The I, Jets I, have I, their young quarterback know, in, right? I know. What's his name? Darnold. Darnold, I know he's he's he could be good, right? Yeah. Depends on the franchise. Depends, Depends on, on where you're at in the franchise. Yep. If you're the Miami Dolphins, Coach Mike Bell. Yeah, I'm playing Tua. I think I think Fitz is an unreal guy to learn from, and he's super easy to bring in if Tua is actually not ready. But I think there's like so many case studies where the only way to figure out if someone's ready is to play them in a real game. Like easiest comparison is Justin Herbert this year where the Chargers were like Kate Tyrell Taylor is our starter. Herbert's not ready. And then Herbert comes in and makes the Chargers like a, actually a pretty competitive team. And then Tyrod gets hurt. Herbert plays. And then the coach comes out the next day and says, okay, Tyrod's still our starter. And then it takes the team doctor puncturing Tyrod's lung by accident for them to actually play Herbert. And now Herbert's been amazing. But, like, he doesn't get that opportunity if the coaches are just, I don't know. I think coaches' coaches' eyes on talent are way too valued. And I don't think they actually know until they see them in a game as opposed to in a practice. I've had this conversation with a few people, and the couple situations they brought up with me are one, Tom Brady sitting behind Drew Bledsoe and two, Brett Favre yeah, Rogers sitting behind Brett Favre but it's a case um, by case thing you have it's to not, think about like the two guys that you're talking about yeah. are like all time generational it's, quarterbacks, right? It's not right? Favre, it's not it's, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick who's been on 19 and a half teams yeah. in the last three years Nickname is Fitz Magic because he comes in out of nowhere and just like plays good for a few <laughs> names at a time. It's not you can't compare it to a Brady situation or it's a so Roger situation man. when you have a Hall of Fame guy in front of you. Fitz is not Hall of Fame. Oh, that's a mistake. Murray man. Get a first down. What the hell is that? I think he doesn't. He doesn't even care. He just wants the clock to keep going. I guess so. At this point, when you're up by that much. Yeah. All right. Next question. I think we're both on the same page about that one. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear Carol. What's your view on that? I'm neutral. <laughs> Carl, what the fuck is this, man? This is an extremely biased podcast. You can't have a neutral position. I try to. No, that's why I'm here. I'm the neutral guy. <laughs> Bring everyone back to earth. All right. This should be a quick one. Because there's a couple of ones that may not be that quick. Okay. Some stadiums have, have tens of thousands of fans. Yeah. The Seahawks, the have Cardinals, zero. the 49ers have zero. Yeah. Position. Go. <laughs> this is supposed to be a quick answer. This is like Bring my, the goddamn fans in. This is my longest answer. answer. Really? Yeah. All right. I think there's a lot more in play than like a yes or no. I'm not so sure, but all right, let's hear it. Um, so let people make their own decisions. That's the only thing. This is a democracy. This is not a goddamn dictatorship. 
Yeah, I get. I don't know. I I'm a little bit biased coming from like a medical family where I hear a lot of the stuff that's actually true and false and whatnot, especially in like a city like Seattle that is Democrat and pro medicine and all this, as opposed to like Florida and Florida and the Dolphins where it's Republican and they couldn't care less about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But like. The Titans had a shit ton of fans. Titans had a shit ton of fans. <laughs> Tennessee is... Miami is early. Yeah, uh, I mean... Someone else... I think, like, Pittsburgh had a bunch, too. Like, up central U.S. I, I, I agree with giving people a choice, I guess. Um, but I think it should be one way or the other. Like, I don't think some... Stadiums should be allowed to have fans, and some stadiums not. So I think it gives them like a certain advantage. Which way would you prefer? Right now, I would probably say no one should have fans. I think everyone should have a lot of fans. I think everyone should be able to make their own decision. I think John Smith gets to decide if he wants to go to work, gets to decide if he wants to watch the Seahawks or the Packers or the Cardinals or the Cowboys. That's fair. Hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to move to a dictatorship and just live in Cuba and let them, let the communist government just tell me what to do. Fair. Is that too aggressive? I'm not sure. No. <clears throat> All right. Good talk. See? Told you that was going to be quick. You know what? We're adults. I like I feel, that like, I feel to- like we can just, we can have our own opinions without. That's my Just point, like, Michael, is everyone gets to have their own opinion. Yeah. So if you feel uncomfortable going out in public with 40,000 people going to a Seahawks the, the or issue, whatever, the you issue, don't go. The issue with that, that frame of thought is that if you let everyone go to the stadium, there are going to be way, way, way more people that get sick. And the people that have to take care of the people that got sick are the people that wouldn't want them to go in the first place, like the hospital staff and the doctors and nurses and whatnot. It's getting slightly political. It is. And then this is getting into our views on coronavirus, (laughs) which I wasn't necessarily excited about it getting to because I think the virus is a lot less... Severe? Severe than a lot of people are stating it to be. I have a lot of of thoughts on this, so we should go to the next question. Okay. This is for another podcast? Yeah, this is for... Strictly coronavirus podcast? Yeah. All right, next question. Drafts. Drafts? Yeah, drafts. Yeah. yeah. We had a conversation a couple of days ago, me and you. I yeah. think Alex Thurman was involved. Yeah. We're talking about running backs and drafts, drafting based on your position versus, like, based on what your franchise needs versus best player in the draft. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I am. I 100% have the correct opinion on this, and other people do not. You should draft based on what your team needs the most, not based on who's best available. What if your team needs a running back, though? Your team almost never needs a running back. (laughs) That's a good answer. (laughs) Almost 0% of the time your team needs a running back to be taken in the first four rounds. Your team needs to draft a line, a quarterback, a pass rusher, 
a guy to protect your quarterback and then a receiver. And build around that. And teams that struggle the most are teams that give massive contracts to running backs and have no money to spend on positions that actually matter. So if you have the first pick in the draft next year, are you picking a Clemson quarterback? Um, if if my team is like, if my team doesn't have a quarterback already, 100%. So let, who's the bottom three teams in the league? Jets, Giants, and someone. Bengals are down there, Jaguars so are down the, there. The Bengals are Chargers. not drafting anyone because Joe Burrow's good. The Jets aren't drafting the, a quarterback. The Jets aren't drafting a quarterback because they shouldn't give Washington. up on... The Giants might draft a quarterback? I think the Giants made one of the biggest mistakes like ever. Like they thought they were doing this incredibly smart thing, drafting Daniel Jones. Can you bring up that draft for me? Yes, I can. Daniel Jones's draft. Who sir, I don't know who that is. He's the Giants quarterback. He's shit. I think he was taken fourth overall, but people had him being taken in like the third or fourth round. And the Giants managers were like, we see something special in this guy. We're going to take him fourth overall. And they could have waited. Six, like, six overall. Six overall. First okay. round, yeah. He was six. not supposed to be in like the first three or four rounds. And who, what are the other quarterbacks in that draft? Let's see here. Or other players? Kyler Murray. Okay. Nick Boza. Yeah. Josh Allen. Nick Boza was taken after that guy? Sorry, Josh Allen was taken right after Daniel Jones, but Nick Boza was taken before. Nick Boza was taken. Kyler Murray was taken before. Yeah. But my point is that I think teams try to do this like thing where they think they're being sneaky, like drafting a guy way ahead of where they think they should, and it's not what they should do. Or when they draft a running back super high or they trade for a running back and they give up picks. So like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the Kansas City running back, mm -hmm. they draft this so they had Damian Williams, who was the Super Bowl MVP last year, who got injured. And then they have Daryl Williams, who I believe was a first round pick for KC. Okay. And then Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who I think Kansas City took in the first round. And Pretty then they sure. traded yeah. for Le'Veon Bell because they didn't think they had enough with Hilaire. And Hilaire rushed for like 180 yards and a touchdown today. But now they have... Oh, good play. But I think that... Aren't but, they just so concerned that their running backs are going to get injured? Because the But running my backs point is that running... You, if your offensive coordinator knows how to run plays or if you have a good offensive line... The talent on your running back does not matter as much as teams value them. So the best case of this is Christian McCaffrey, who like I think he set like the scrimmage yards record last year, it was pretty close to it in terms of like rushing yards, reception yards. Mm -hmm. He got injured and he was replaced with Mike Davis. And Mike Davis, I think, played for the Seahawks for a year or two, right? And he was like nothing super special. He was he's a very good We like him. He's a good pass Honestly, catcher. He he's quite quick. good. Yeah. But my point is is that if you put a running back with a similar skill set to McCaffrey, yeah. he's not as good. He's not as fast and he's not as quick. And he's 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 probably just as good a pass catcher, but he does the exact same things as McCaffrey does. Yeah. If you put him in a system like that, he's gonna be almost just as 
important to the game. So I think Davis, the first three weeks he took over, had like he averaged six catches, he averaged 80 or 90 yards, he averaged a couple touchdowns a game, and he gives you exactly what McCaffrey gives you, but for a fraction of the cost. But teams think because they have this high-profile name that they have to pay the running back where they could take someone who's not as high a name, put him in the exact same role, scheme around him, and give yourself positions like offensive linemen and pass rushers that impact the game so much more. When was the last time that strategy worked? Uh, the paying, the running back strategy. V- almost never. Almost never, Almost right? never. Adrian Peterson in Minnesota, maybe? Maybe. Was that the maybe. last one? And, but even, even, even when the league was, was run heavy, it didn't work as much as now, and now it's pass heavy. Yeah. So you should do it even less. Yeah. And the things that impact the running game more than running back talent, you can have the most fucking talented running back ever. If the defense is getting pressure and winning the offensive line battle, your running back is doing zero. Exactly. It doesn't matter. I.e. Dak versus Seattle rush defense. Yeah. I.e. Derrick Henry. He had like 36 yards against us. And we're not that good. We're like a very mediocre defense. I.e. Derrick Henry in... 20, when was Derrick Henry drafted? Um, 20, I think he's only 2012, in like, 2013. Is he that long? Because he was benched for Deion Lewis for a number of years. Really? Because he averaged like two or three yards per carry and his, co- and his coach benched him because he couldn't do anything because mm-hmm. the scheme and the offensive line was so goddamn bad and everyone that knew Derrick Henry was really good said, oh, Derrick Henry is a bust. But he wasn't a bust. It was just because his offensive scheme was so bad. And now you see how good he is. He's so But good. nothing changed with the skill set other than the line being better yeah. and the plays being better. When was he drafted? Because I would have said he's, like, based on my He played for Alabama, knowledge. and I say he probably mm-hmm. was drafted 2013. 2014? He was drafted uh, 45, 45th overall, second round. Of what year? What year? 2016. 2016. Hmm. And then he sat on the bench for two years for Deion Lewis. And then last year had a And then last year. year had a breakout year because Vrabel took over and they and made plays that were made him excel. Yeah. But like this idea <laughs> where you have this like Hollywood named running back and you feel like you have to pay him, he's not going to affect the game nearly as much as someone else. I feel like that's what the Seahawks are good at, though. Seahawks Seahawks have been good at it. I think the Seahawks bring in running backs that aren't huge names, and I don't think they pay them. No, But uh, it also surprises me that they don't invest in the offensive line as much as they should. Mm. Because I feel like pressure rates against Wilson are still pretty high. Like. They don't win compared the line to last year. It's not even close. It's a lot better. A lot better. Yeah. So they went from like twenty eighth in the league last year offensive line yeah. to like this year. Correct me if I'm wrong, Carl. I'm gonna say I want you to pull this up as I'm talking. Fifteen. Like I feel like we've got a lot better. Sixteen. Fuck. So close. <laughs> Going from bottom, bottom, bottom to bottom halfway, to half is huge. Is they, huge. Did they, did they pick people up or draft people? They they drafted a, uh, our left tackle, I think. Yeah, out of LSU, I forget his name. Yeah, he's he, he's big. Uh, Pochesh has been pretty good at center. I would. Uh, uh, Dwayne Brown is like has been a rock star in the league for a, a, quite a while. Can I talk about something that I'm very passionate about? 
in Dude, terms of uh, this podcast is built on passionate topics. That's it. What is the biggest thing, like in analytics now, that has been debunked that is like super important? And I'm gonna give you an idea. It has to do give with. Me a hint. It has to do with. Uh, I don't know if I can give you a hint. Okay, it's kind of hard Hold to explain, on. but. Have you ever heard the cliche of that you have to establish establish the run to open up the pass game? Yeah. Okay, so the biggest thing that teams do that are successful offensively that completely go against that is this idea that you have to run the ball to be successful in the pass, or it's actually 100% the opposite. It's totally the opposite. You have to pass the ball well to be able to, mm. oh yeah, pick! Let's go. <laughs> That's pick six. Hit Dalton. Oh yeah, baby. Let's go. Nice. Zeke made a tackle. Okay, so establishing the run, not how things work in football. No. How people thought they worked for decades and decades. You have to pass the ball well in order to lighten the box and run the ball well. Hundred percent. So this idea that. The biggest idea and the most successful plays in the NFL are play action passes. And this idea that you have to run the ball to set up play action, which is what Aikman and Collinsworth say at least three or four times a day Dude, on Sunday. Collinsworth is fucking terrible. Is is one hundred percent wrong. You don't even have to run the ball five times a game to be successful in play action. You just have to make the defense think for a split second that you are going to possibly run. But the idea that you have to run the ball to be able to pass the ball well is is like so far false, and team like ninety nine percent of teams still believe that, and it drives me ninety nine percent drives teams? me fucking nuts. So name the couple teams that don't believe it: Kansas City, Baltimore, uh, Tennessee, and I don't even know. Only I don't AFC like do that. Like a team like Seattle that still has this kind of like weird identity that they have to run the ball well. It, it's not. It's not true. Do you think Seattle? This is a serious question. Do you think Seattle is building for late in the season? They know that. Like everyone knows, we have the best player in the league, right? Yeah. Russell Wilson is the best player in the league. He proved it last yeah, Sunday. Yeah, one, one A, one B. With one and a, like a minute and a half left, he proves yeah. it. Yeah, right. He's the best player in the league. Do you think we know that, and we're just trying to like manipulate teams for late in the season this year? I don't know. I I don't believe that. I don't disagree with people that say that. I think like teams will play a hundred percent every game unless like to start a game unless they're up like. 20 to nothing or whatnot. I don't think there's like that much psychology that goes into it, in my I opinion. I think there's more than you think, though, man. Like, why do teams save like stupid one off plays for the Super Bowl? I think only, I think only teams that are like offensively innovative do that. I don't think they save plays. I think they like come up with plays that they know will be successful, like the. Uh, Philadelphia play against New England a few years ago where mm -hmm. Foles caught the touchdown. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, like, I want, there's there's so much more that Seattle's, def Seattle's offense this year can be, like, historically good. 
and they don't even do as much as they can to put their best players in positions. But it to almost succeed. is already though. It's not. That's what you you think it is, but it's not. But they like don't in terms play. in terms they, of Russell Wilson, yeah, he has nineteen touchdowns through five games. Yeah, which is one shy of the record through five games, I believe. I think it's one shot. Anyway, like, let's assume I'm right. It's one shot of the record through five games. Yeah. It's pretty good, man. He's like, he's he's averaging over 300 yards a game. He's yep. averaging a passer rating like 128 or yeah. something. So you get, but you get mad at, sh- at Shoddy for his play designs. You don't think that he could, there could be better play. If there, I think if it there's could a be better, much better. But at the same time, I think. They know they're going to win games against shitty teams. Yeah. I just don't think Seattle needs to rely on Wilson to like win it in the fourth quarter anymore. I think they're good enough but to we've win We've only done games. that one game out of five. Yeah, but you've also played some pretty suspect teams. Right. <clears throat> we'll see what happens in the next five games. Next five games are going to tell a lot. Yeah, I agree. If they go two and three, they're not as good as I thought they were. If they go four and one... They have a legitimate chance at winning the Super Bowl, yeah. I think. Because I think um, I think Arizona is better than people think they are. Yeah, they're gonna be four and two now. We 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 can get into like L.A. is really good. Buffalo is really good. That's yeah. three really good teams, and we play Arizona twice, so that's four out of the last next five games. Yeah. We can. Uh, there's just so many things in. In sports that are incorrect across the board that are based on fallacies that used to be true that people still believe in because it's like a catchy thing to say. Like establish the run or drive for drive for show, putt for dough, or like getting points in the paint in basketball or being physical in football. There's like there's so many there's so many things that maybe used to be true that aren't anymore, but these like old school coaches still believe are like important to winning and they're just not anymore. And people need to like adapt their game plans more to what works today. And like, it drives me nuts. Like you see what a team, you see like what Shanahan does in Atlanta and San Francisco with motion and what McVay does in, in uh, St. Louis or LA, whatever you want to call them. Like golf was golf was borderline unplayable for a while before McVeigh got there, and then they made the Super Bowl, and then Mahomes comes in, and Andy Reid makes this offense for for Kansas City, and they're way better. And then there's still these coaches that are like, "Hey, I need to in order for me to win the game, I need to rush the ball twenty plus times. If I don't rush the ball twenty plus times, I'm gonna lose." And then oh oh wow, what a move! Carl, what did I say at the beginning of the year? If the Seahawks are going to win the Super Bowl, our pass to rush breakdown. Oh, my next favorite point. Did I say that? No, 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 no. You say what you got to say. It and needs then to I'll be two go. to one. So I said, if the Seahawks are going to win the Super Bowl, we're going to pass the ball 40, 45 times a game. Yeah. And we're going to run 20, 22, yeah. 20 so 25 one times of my, a uh, One of my favorite things to do on Twitter is to follow new school versus old school like football minds. <laughs> And they like they like scream and yell and swear at each other. So there's like there's like one famous thing online that's like every team 
every time a team wins and they rush the ball well, the old school guys are like, yeah. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 15 and one when they rush 20 plus times. <laughs> but the thing that like those people don't understand is that mostly when teams rush 20 to 25 times or 30 times and they win games, it's because they're up by passing. Exactly. And the reason that they're running is to do more clock maintenance than exactly. running. So like equating these stats with, Seattle is eight and two when Carson runs for a hundred yards. It's just like it's not correct because the reason he's getting those yards and rushing that many times is because of something they did previously. It drives me fucking crazy. <laughs> Dude, I, I I totally agree. <clears throat> but like it's impo- but it's also at the same time it's it's impossible to argue with people that have these concrete beliefs in their head. But it's kind of, I think the NFL is changing a little bit with how offensive run like Kingsbury's with Arizona and McVay's with St. Louis and Shanahan's with the 49ers. Uh, Reed, Reed's always been good with KC. I think you're just going to see more and more like different types of offenses called as opposed to having the running back like pound, ground and pound mm-hmm. straight up the middle. Where'd the Green Bay guy go? Where'd he go? Who, MacArthur? Yeah. He's with he's with Dallas now. He's Dallas head coach. Do you like him or no? Um, he's okay. Because Thierman hated him. I I think that he is like Pete Carroll on steroids in terms of like thinking you have to do something a certain way. He has no idea how to clock manage and he has no idea how to like put Rodgers in a position to win when McCarthy was there and he's doing the same kind of thing with Dak. And people think that because his winning record was so high, he's a good coach. Yeah. But like your winning record is probably that high because you have one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. Of all time. All and it's like man, it's like all that's time, the, man. like the stat where it's like head coaching record blah blah blah. And that like completely forgets the fact of the players that he had or like the team that he had just doesn't make sense which is why I have like a lot more respect for people like Shanahan and McVeigh that go from like different teams and then they're still successful implementing a new strategy with a different team like San Fran San Fran was not great before Shanahan came over and Shanahan brought in a similar offense that he used with Atlanta when Atlanta was like a generational offense when they made the Super Bowl. And then he brought in the same thing and taught it to Garoppolo. And I think a lot of Garoppolo's deficiencies were were hidden by Shanahan. I don't think Garoppolo is like these bottom, bottom 10 quarterback, I would probably say. Um, but he got them to the Super Bowl last year and almost beat Kansas City <clears throat> because Shanahan does stuff that a lot of teams don't do. Like, he runs the ball a lot, but he runs the ball in a different way where he uses a lot of wide receiver sweeps. He uses a lot of motion. He uses his fullback a lot. He uses play action a lot, and he gives his players like a, a huge chance to be successful, um, like one-on-one. And I think that like the best thing offensive coordinators can do is be unpredictable, and I think that's my biggest issue with Seattle is that they have Wilson, but I still think they're predictable. 
if we watch a game together, I can probably tell you like right away, okay, this is going to be a pass. This is going to be a run. This is going to be this play. And I bet you probably 95% of the time I'm going to say what it is. What are you doing on Sunday at 1.20 p.m.? Uh, I, I got a lot to do. <laughs> I'm probably going to go to work and do some. <laughs> yeah, I'll be here. Excellent. We're going to drink some whiskey or some pizza. I'm going to watch the Seahawks game. But I just like being unpredictable, is, even if your play design isn't good, is the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Or as opposed to like, how difficult that is that in the NFL though? I don't like all the other people on the other side of the football are trying to predict what you're doing. I think it's, I think it's super predictable if you have an old school philosophy of like winning the line of scrimmage battle or doing whatnot. But I think for one week you should watch the San Francisco offense and all the motion they use or look at the KC offense and what they do like they'll line Kittle up or sorry they'll line Kelsey up in the backfield as a running back they will make linemen eligible receivers they'll do all this stuff that makes the defense think and I I think a lot uh, more teams can do stuff like that even if their talent isn't good like to make it harder to predict what you're saying and I think I don't know. I can tell you, to start the game on Sunday, Seattle is going to go heavy line, run up the middle. Disagree. They're going to heavy line, run up the middle. Play action. Run up the middle, third down conversion. Disagree. And you're going to be like, Seattle fans are going to be like, hey, that's great. We established a run. No. And I'm going to say, no, no, you didn't. You just relied on your quarterback again. That's not what 2020 has been like, though. 2020 has been so different, man. Honestly, I'm watching games with Jordan. <clears throat> Here, first down, first play of the game, play action. Yeah. I'm like, we need to run play action. And then they fake handoff and throw a pass for seven yards. I'm like, this is what we need to do every And you know, do you know what the best thing about passing is? Is that a seven-yard pass play is not explosive at all and not great. And a seven-yard run play is amazing. Amazing. Seven-yard run is like, wow, we have a generational running back. That's amazing. Let's keep running with him. And a a seven-yard pass is like, oh, he's just like game managing and he's checking down. He checked down to his fourth or second. Yeah, it's like like just it adds up to the same thing. Don't be an idiot. I love that. Third and one, let's run the ball down 28 points. And they were short. (laughs) What an excellent play call. Keep the clock going. What do you think of Andy Dalton? I think he's one of the best backups in the league. I think he's been put into a situation that's kind of hard. Tua? <laughs> Probably. Tua's better than Andy Dalton, but Andy Dalton's pretty good. He was always pretty good in Cincinnati. Oh, they gave him I'm going to fucking flip out on your podcast in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should wrap up Carl and watch the football. Uh, let's do it. I feel like Mike needs to come back in. Hold on. We have five tough games. I feel like he should come back week four of the of the five tough games. I want to, if Carl, if you wrote down what I predicted, I want to come <clears throat> back and revisit this. Okay. Can, hey, can we, can we note this right now? Can you make a note? Okay, so our next five games are at Arizona. So Mike, predict win or loss. Seattle. I said they beat Arizona twice. 
Okay, so I say win at Arizona. Mm-hmm. Mike says win at Arizona. Then we say versus, so in Seattle against the Niners. I say win against the Niners. Mike says loss against the Niners. Yeah. Then in Buffalo. I said they'd win in Buffalo. I say win in Buffalo. Then at LA. Uh, I said lost to LA, lost to Philly. So he says, no, actually, I think I said, no, I think I said win in LA, lost to Philly. I definitely said lost to Philly. So you think win against the Cardinals? Yeah. Cardinals, Cardinals, two wins, and then LA win. And then hold on, hold on. Let's go. We're going in order here. Okay. So Cardinals next week, you say win. Win. I say win. Yeah. Then uh, in Seattle against the Niners. Yeah. Loss. You think lose in Seattle? Okay. So you got to pay attention here, man. Yeah. Put your phone down. Yeah. <laughs> so I say win against the Niners in Seattle. Then you say at Buffalo. Win. I say win. Then at LA. Loss. That's a coin toss. Honestly, as a diehard Seahawks fan, I wouldn't be surprised if we lost, we lost that game. I'm going to say win. Then against the Cardinals at home. Win. I'm going to say loss. Really? I'm going to say that's our first loss of the year, week, huh. week nine. Okay. Ten. Week and then ten. I say Philly and loss. Then at Philly, win. Yeah. So here, this is why I'm so confused by their division. San Fran got rocked by Miami. Pounded. Pounded. Well, not even on. in the game. Hold on. You noted that Garoppolo is a bottom 10 quarterback yeah, in the league. He's trash. He's garbage. What the fuck is wrong with San Fran fans? Like, if if I, if I was a Seahawks fan and we had a Garoppolo or a fucking Fitzpatrick, like I would be trashing him every week on this that podcast. Was, that right? was one of the biggest mistakes San Fran made is that Garoppolo played like no games for New England, but Belichick said he could replace Blady, and then San Fran was like, "Okay, I'm going to sign this guy." Alex Smith is better. Yeah, way better. What is? I don't understand that. I don't understand. Um, but my point is, so San Fran gets rocked by Miami, and then the Rams go down by 28 against the Bills in Buffalo, come back and beat the Bills, and then the week after that San Fran gets blown up by the Dolphins, San Fran beats the Rams. <laughs> so, and then, Welcome to our division for the last I decade, know, I man. know. That's 10 years, man. No one knows what's going to happen. And then, uh, like... Obviously, Dallas isn't a, isn't a, isn't a, a good decider here, but the Cardinals blow out Dallas. They blow out the Jets. Well, they, they don't have a quarterback. They blew out someone in week one, but then they had two like pretty bad losses. I think they lost to Carolina, and they lost to someone else. I don't know who their second loss was. Who, Arizona? Yeah. I know they lost to the, the Panthers. Panthers, yeah. The Lions. When they three. lost the Lions. Yeah. So I have no idea what's going on in this division. I know Carolina is the, so, f- the or Arizona is the worst team, but like they're still competitive. I think the NFC West is by far the best division in the league. I couldn't agree more. The four teams are are competitive playoff teams. Yeah. And I don't think anyone else can say that. Yeah. Who is in the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Baltimore? Baltimore. Cincinnati. Cincinnati is and shit. another good team. Uh, a good team. Browns. Houston Browns. Browns. Cleveland. 
Cleveland. Cleveland's four and two. Four and two. Yeah. But Cleveland got ab- Cleveland's a fake good team. Yeah. Cleveland got absolutely railroaded by the Steelers because so that Baker might Mayfield be the second best not division in the league. Yeah, for sure. Because um, there's nothing else in the N- NFC that is good. Like the Cowboys division is garbage. I could argue the that. Green Bay Green Bay Chicago division is is decent because there's two good teams. But then they have Detroit and Houston. The, a- the AFC Ooh. West. Vikings. The AFC West should be better than it is, and it's not. Who? The Kansas City division. Kansas City, Raiders, Broncos, Houston. Chargers. Because the Broncos are struggling. The right? Broncos the Chargers, are terrible. Yeah. Charger, the Chargers are actually like, they have a lot of talent. They're just not going to be good for a while. And then NFC, Cowboys division, no. NFC North, no. I think the NFC South should be better than it is. Mm-hmm. The, That's Bucks, Saints, Panthers, Falcons. I think the Falcons are probably the best one in five team in the league, <laughs> which is hard to say because their offense still has absolute weapons. That's one of the most remarkable statements I've ever heard. But it's so true. The Falcons are the best, the one best in five one in five team, team in the league I've ever seen. No, 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 best one in five team in the league <laughs> by far. Dude, it, it it's physically hurts me. To see what happens to the Falcons fans week Dude, after week, it's so bad. So here, this is unbelievable. So is that one of the most devastating franchises to be a fan of Dude. in the last decade? Um, that loss in the Super Bowl was like brutal. So Dude, they they oh, cr- absolutely they're crushing. tied. They're tied with Seattle in Week One, going in the second half. They lose by thirteen. Week Two against the Cowboys. They're up 29 to nothing and they lose to the Cowboys 40 to 39 because they can't recover an onside kick. 29 nothing. In week three, they lose to the Bears. They blow a 20 point fourth quarter lead. So they've been up. They've been by up 20 every single game on the Bears yes. and. Yes. Who yes. was the week before? Uh, Bears, Cowboys. They're up by 20 in both. And they were tied with the Seahawks. Panthers, they were up after the first quarter and then gave up 17 to nothing in the second quarter. And then they blow out the Vikings in week six. So they're like a lot better than one in five, but at the same time, it's just like those fans are still hurting from the Patriots lost 28 to three and then they're still blowing 20 point leads. (laughs) And they probably have one of the... Best offensive cores in the league. They have Ryan, who's still like Julio Jones. Medial. Julio's like almost not even their number one receiver anymore. Who? Calvin, Calvin Ridley. Ridley is unbelievable. They have Gurley now as their yeah. running back. We tried they to have Hayden Hurst, who is a great tight end. And their defense they're like they're like Seattle, but like with way more problems defensively. <laughs> Well, I prefer five and zero oh versus one and five. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's a flag. That's cheating. You can't do that. All right. I think we still have here. a chance in this game, Mike. I love. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Mike's confidence level right now. There's three minutes and forty seconds left. His Cowboys are down thirty-one to three. And what is the comment? We still have a chance. <laughs> With Andy Dalton. Hey, I have the I have the over in this game too. What's the over? <laughs> Fifty five. Uh oh, I don't think it's happening. We're gonna go touchdown here. 
Onside kick, kick recovery, touchdown. touchdown. Onside kick recovery, touchdown. Lose <laughs> by 10. Mike, you're coming back in five weeks? Depends how the first couple I'm weeks back go on, of our next five. Might come back on Sunday to watch the Seahawks game. 100%. This Sunday. Should we just podcast live, Carl? <laughs> yep, let's run it straight up the gut. I love you, man. This was awesome. Thanks, We're going to do it again. 100%. In a couple of weeks. Basically, the next few weeks is going to tell me how often Mike Bell comes on the podcast because <laughs> I said beat the Cardinals. You said lose to the 49ers. You know what? I promise you something. I said beat the 49ers. So if we, if if we win the next two games, you're probably coming back live for Sunday at the Bills at 10 a.m. If the Seahawks go 4-1... and one, I will come back here with my face painted in blue and green. You're already wearing a Seahawks <laughs> toque, so like. Best, you know what? Dallas doesn't even care. They're two and four and they're still leading the division. Not a big deal. <laughs> it's only <laughs> the Eagles tied one game. <laughs> that division is bad. It's so devastating. All right, we're doing it again soon. Yeah, I love you.